at sing.com. Friday the 13th of October. It is the Feast of Our Lady of Fatima. Let's begin together with a Fatima prayer to the Trinity in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I adore you profoundly, and I offer you the most precious body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, present in all the tabernacles of the world, in reparation for the outrages, sacrileges, and indifference with which he himself is offended. And through the infinite merits of his most sacred heart and the immaculate heart of Mary, I beg you the conversion of poor sinners. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being along here on a Friday morning. It's Friday the 13th, but that doesn't really matter all that much to us, at least not around here. We're more focused on the Marian Feast Day. Up this hour, Mike Aquilina is going to be along from fathersofthechurch.com to talk about more cities of God. Today, he'll talk about Rome and its prominence as a major city in the history of Christianity. Dr. Jeffrey Morrow has been with us uh, for the past several weeks looking uh, at various books in the Old Testament. He helped put together a Catholic guide to the Old Testament. We've been going book by book with him, and uh, today we get to look at the book of Ezra. King Craycraft will look at issue one in Ohio and unpack some of the language that is in the specific issue. Uh, it's of course, has major ramifications for the question of abortion in the state of Ohio. And then Father Hezekiah Carnazzo will preview the Sunday Mass readings, so please do stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Steve Scalise is withdrawing from the race to become the next Speaker of the House. He announced at a conference meeting last night he would be pulling out of the race following a day full of meetings with fellow Republicans. It appeared unlikely that he would be getting 217 members of his own party to vote for him on the floor as a small number of conservatives appeared to be blocking his path. The House Republicans will huddle again this morning. Israel is warning the United Nations to evacuate more than a million people in Gaza. Mark Mayfield reports. On Thursday, U.N. officials said the Israeli Ministry of Defense told them to notify Palestinians living in the northern areas of Gaza to evacuate to the southern part of the Strip in the next 24 hours. The U.N. says it's physically impossible to evacuate that many people without devastating humanitarian consequences. The news comes as officials expect the Israeli military to launch a ground assault against Hamas forces. The Israel Defense Forces say they have mobilized around 300,000 reservists near the Gaza border and are continuing large-scale strikes on Hamas targets. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Biden administration is arranging charter flights to help Americans leave Israel as the country is at war with Hamas. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters the administration is working to provide flights from Israel to sites in Europe for U.S. citizens and their immediate family members. 
The administration is also looking at helping Americans exit by land and sea. This comes amid a shortage of commercial flights as this conflict ensues. Meanwhile, delegates at the Senate on Synodality have been praying for peace as they continue to meet and deliberate in Rome. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. Today's opening prayer was introduced by Iraqi Cardinal Luis Rafael Sacco. I would like to invite you this morning to pray for peace in the world, especially in the Holy Land, but also in Ukraine. The violence in Iraq, Iran, and Lebanon, Cardinal Sacco said. The people are waiting with much hope, he continued, to live in dignity and in fraternity and not always in fear and concern. As he called for prayer, fraternity, and solidarity with the suffering, the Assembly responded cited several prayers, including Psalm 129's, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. During the morning prayer, Cardinal Sacco also prayed, O God, let the whole of humanity who have one origin from you form one family without violence, living united in peace for our Lord Jesus. Also during the morning prayer, the president of the Focolare movement, Margaret Karam, a Palestinian Catholic, prayed for peace. She prayed to the Lord for the Holy Land, for the people of Israel and Palestine who are under the grip of unprecedented violence, as well as for the victims, especially the children, for the wounded, for those held hostage, for the missing and their families. In these hours of anguish and suspense, she said, we join our voices to that of the Pope and to the choral prayer of those around the world who implore peace. Ms. Karam also recalled all of the other countries of the Middle East and all the countries at war. Help us, Lord, to commit ourselves to building a fraternal world so that these people and those in the same conditions of conflict and instability and violence may find the path of respect for human rights. In these days and in the past, the Holy Father has made countless prayers for peace in nations suffering from war. The Holy Father had personally made a visit to Iraq in March of 2021, marking the first visit to a Pope to the Middle Eastern nation. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. Ford Motor Company is telling the United Auto Workers that its 23% pay raise offer is the most they can afford to do. The UAW is striking the big three automakers as they seek a 40% pay raise. Ford Blue President Kumar Galhotra says the offer made to the union puts employees in the top 25% of all hourly and salaried jobs in the U.S., and it calls it a, quote, incredibly positive offer. He added any further wage hikes would risk their ability to invest in the business and grow profits. People receiving Social Security benefits will see a smaller cost of living increase than the past two years. Yesterday, the Social Security Administration announced the annual cost of living adjustment for the next year will be 3.2%. The adjustment means the average monthly payment for retirees will be a little more than $1,900 come January. Benefits saw the biggest boost since the 1980s, the previous two years, because of inflation. Last year, recipients received an increase of 5.9%, while this year saw an increase of 8.7%. And the Phillies beat the team considered the best in baseball this year to secure a spot in the National League Championship Series, Philadelphia edged the Braves 3-1 to one to win the best-of-five National League Division Series. Nick Castellanos strug, slugged a solar home run. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to get this right. It's not a solar home run. A it would be a moonshot. A solo home run to tie the game at one game apiece in the fourth inning. 
He launched another home run in the sixth inning while Trey Turner also went yard. Atlanta bows out of the playoffs despite being the number one overall seed after finishing the regular season with a 104-58 and record. It's the second straight postseason that the Braves have been eliminated by the Phillies. Philly squares off against the Arizona Diamondbacks in Philadelphia for game one of the NLCS on Monday. All right. Nick Castellanos, former Red. Yeah. Known for drives into deep left field. So I uh, guess congratulations to the Phillies, those listening on Holy Spirit Radio. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's, and despite uh, having up. a former Red, you still can't root for them? I, I mean... Listen, Paul's like was, Paul's in the background. He's like, no, I can't. He can't do it. My father-in-law grew up rooting for the Phillies. He was a Bear Phillies mind, I rooted for the Orioles. Kid. They're gone. Then I switched my allegiance to the Twins, and now they're gone. The Philly fans don't want me rooting for them. Gary Zimak, we're looking at you, man. Bill Donahue, we're looking at you, man. Looking at you. We actually got lots of Philly connections through Holy Spirit Radio and beyond. Trying to trying to to not, you know, be an albatross on your franchise. <laughs> it's nine minutes past the hour. From FathersOfTheChurch.com, we're joined now by Mike Aquilina to look at more cities of God, cities that were a specific import in the early church. And one of these days, we knew we were going to get to Rome. Mike, good morning. Morning, Matt. I don't even know how we have a series like this and don't focus on Rome. But how did Rome, first of all, become uh, the center of the West uh, before it became a Christian center? Boy, uh, you know, that's just a, a that's a, that's a great question. And it's a it's a it's a huge question. How do some nations become powerful while others do not? And uh, and and sometimes it's a, it's a combination of of certain skills that 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 are there certain opportunities um uh, certain challenges and rome was gro- growing more and more powerful in the italian peninsula and then when when carthage decided to make a play for sicily you know to go in there and and take land in sicily you know rome didn't like that because suddenly north africa was pressing in on uh you know pr- pretty close to its territory so so rome Rome decided to go in and, and throw the North Africans out and succeeded. And, uh, and the historians say that's when Rome got its first taste of empire. And it liked that taste. So, uh, so Rome just gradually became more powerful in terms of military, in terms of uh, you know, economic power, uh, and, uh, and gradually spread through the Mediterranean. Uh, and, and it became the dominant empire on Earth. It, beca- it became the thing... That uh, that men think about every day, apparently. <laughs> apparently <laughs> so. Today, when that question came out, you know, do men really think about the Roman Empire all the time? I thought, well, I kind of do almost every day, but for, for, for professional reasons. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, but when it comes to this this setup that you know where Rome was at the time of Christ, how was it sort of like this uniquely uh, beneficial? sort of delivery mechanism for Christianity, the fact that Rome had kind of existed and, and you know, built up in certain ways. Well, it created some some conditions that were just optimal for spreading the gospel. One is that uh, effectively there was one 
unified world at peace. This is the great accomplishment of Caesar Augustus, that he suppressed piracy on the high seas. He, uh, he kept his enemies at bay. They did not bother going after him because they knew about Rome's power. And, uh, and, and everything was fairly peaceful. Uh, Caesar Augustus also established a system of roads. It was not long since uh, one, one of the great mariners discovered the trade winds on the seas. And so, so for the first time in history, uh, ships could travel on the open sea rather than hugging the shoreline. You could get to your destination a lot faster. So that meant that goods could move easily from one end of the world to the other. That meant that soldiers could move easily from one end of the earth to the other. And the, the, the gospel really traveled all of these roads and sea routes with the mariners, with the soldiers, with people who were going from one place to another. We see that in the Acts of the Apostles, but we see it in history as well, that, 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 that Christianity, the gospel, spread by means of people going from one place to another, just doing their ordinary business, doing the things that they do. And it really took the empire so quickly. Uh, Rome made that possible by building these roads, by establishing these trade routes, by suppressing piracy. Uh, they didn't do it for the sake of Christianity, but God knew what was happening. This is all in God's providence. Well, you think about some of the ways that trade had developed and the, the you know trade and travel and, and all these things, and you think, how is it possible that an apostle could get from Jerusalem to India? Well... <laughs> I mean, it is possible if you've got these conditions in effect, these trades uh, in effect, this uh, you know, progression in sea travel technology has taken effect, right? That, that these things are coming from all over the place in and out. Uh, you can see how all an apostle really has to do is hitchhike, and they're a missionary in a seriously far-flung land. That's right. The, the, the Romans, for example, were addicted to pepper, to pepper that they bought from India. And so... There were constantly ships coming into Rome and bringing pepper for the Roman people. You know, that's, uh, that's something that was happening all the time. They had to go through Alexandria to, to, to get to Rome, and, uh, and, and, and those ships were constantly moving. Uh, and, um, and there were many opportunities to, to get to the places you wanted to go. So, so, so uh, that's, that's, what, that's what Rome brought about. Of course, there is also the city itself, which kind of warrants its own conversation that I wish we had a lot more time for. You know, I don't refer to myself as a Roman Catholic in very many conversations, but a lot of my non-Catholic friends refer to me as a Roman Catholic right? because they think of Rome as the headquarters and uh, everything that goes along with that. But you've been there a number of times. If we wanted to just like get a list of a few of the names of the people who were martyred in the city, right, or whose relics are in the city. Like, what would be some names that would come to the top of that list? Well, you have to start with Peter and Paul, because they were the Romulus and Remus of Christianity. They were the great founders of this new city. Uh, if, you, if you read the Acts of the Apostles, there's a Romeward trajectory. Uh, you know, everything is moving toward Rome in in uh, in Paul's apostolate, and uh, and we know that the same thing happened with Peter that he began in Antioch, uh, really began in Jerusalem, moved to Antioch, and then to Rome. So this is where the two apostles ended up. This is where they consecrated the city itself with their blood, and and they really are the great founders of Christian Rome. They consecrated the ground with their blood. Uh, they're the two great basilicas that were that were raised in the um, 
in the fourth century in their honor. But under those basilicas, there's evidence that 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 site was honored since the first century. So they're at the top of any list. But there are also the others. <laughs> there, there's their immediate disciple, Clement of Rome, and then you can go on in an unbroken line and and uh, and look at the names of the other popes. If you go to uh, Saint Paul outside the walls, you can see the images of those popes in succession. All those popes, you know, in in those those. Uh, same-sized images along the walls of the basilica. So, so there's Clement of Rome. There's Ignatius of Antioch, whose relics reside at um, at the basilica of San Clemente uh, of Saint Clement, Clement in Rome, uh, and 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 on from there, Saint Hippolytus, Saint Lawrence. We could we could spend the entire morning just listing off the martyrs who died for the faith in Rome, and really became such an important part of our story as a family, as a Christian church. Rome is, in a sense, our ancestral home, our family home. It's the place where uh, the fathers looked for authority, looked for decisions, looked for moral support and guidance. That's the place where, where they looked. There was no other place like it on earth. Well, thanks so much, Mike Aquilina from fathersofthechurch.com. He's linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. We're back after this. It's 17 past. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective, while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. For more than 150 years, the Comboni missionaries have traveled to nearly every corner of the world. Founded by St. Daniel Comboni, we are an international Catholic organization dedicated to ministering the world's poorest and most abandoned people. Your donations make a huge impact, and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. That is ComboniMissionaries.org. Mystic Monk Coffee has brought back their pumpkin spice blend, and unlike the competition, buying their coffee has the added bonus of supporting the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming and the Sunrise Morning Show. Go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click the Mystic Monk link to get that or any of their other coffee blends or teas. When you check out, we earn a commission. And there's no better vessel for your Mystic Monk pumpkin spice latte than a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug. Find those in our online store. Do pumpkin spice the Catholic way. Just head on over to sonrisemorningshow.com. He is honored by the church as a saint with the title Second Apostle of Germany. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. The Dutch-born Jesuit, St. Peter Canisius, was one of the key figures in restoring the Catholic faith in Germany during the Protestant Reformation. He is renowned for his catechism and also for his founding more than 40 universities that proved bastions of Catholicism across Central Europe. He died in 1597 and was named a doctor in 1925. To find out more, visit EWTN.com and click on Catholicism. 19 past. Here's Anna with headlines. Steve Scalise has announced he is withdrawing from the race to become the next Speaker of the House. Israel is warning the United Nations to evacuate more than a million people in Gaza. And meanwhile, the Patriarch of Jerusalem has asked the faithful to fast and pray for peace in the Holy Land. 
news at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And Anna, I just got word from Travis that the video feed's now up on our Facebook page. Yes. So Facebook Live. And I'm noticing uh, that we've got subtitles oh. on, the, uh, on the Facebook Live. Captions. Feed. Captions, which uh, are, I would say, about 85% accurate. 85 85- so, It'll uh, get given every the subject matter we cover, and, uh, it can be hard to transcribe it all. Oh my gosh, that's so, so true. You wonder, but, okay, are you watching it right now? I am watching it right Does now. Does it know how to spell synodality? Uh, we'll find out in a minute because this is on a short delay. Oh, okay. But you can go to uh, sunrisemorningshow.com, click on the Facebook page, and uh, you can just see it right there. It's right there at the top of the top of the feed. No, it does not know how to spell synodality. It spells it with a C. <laughs> As this is going to be a fun. A fun. We should just say all the weirdly bizarre Catholic words that we can think of and see what it does. Catechism. Oh, no, we said it at the same time. Go ahead. Concupiscence. I want to see what it does with concupiscence. Catechism. Uh, catechism's like, that's a... That's I don't a, know. You never know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. No, it, it, it swung in a miss on concupiscence. <laughs> 21 past. Sacred Heart Radio is your local Catholic station and your source for news from the Catholic perspective. SacredHeartRadio.com is where you can find and share information on issues facing Ohio in November that are so important to the pro-life community. And that's not to mention our commitment to prayer. At SacredHeartRadio.com, you'll find resources and events to help you pray for a culture of life. So please visit SacredHeartRadio.com, your local source for pro-life information and prayer. Cincinnati Right to Life presents the Golden Evening for Life. Thursday, October 19th at the Sharonville Convention Center. Featuring former abortionist Dr. John Bruchowski, musician Mike Donahue from 10th Avenue North, activist Mark Hauk, abortion survivor Rebecca Kiesling, and Sacred Heart Radio's Anna Mitchell. The Golden Evening for Life, October 19th at the Sharonville Convention Center. Reservations at CincinnatiRightToLife.org. That's CincinnatiRightToLife.org. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Is inflation making you feel frustrated and out of control when it comes to your expenses? We have a solution. It's Solidarity HealthShare. With Solidarity HealthShare, you control what doctors you go to and how much you spend with pricing options that start as low as $384 for families. Take control of your health care and your budget with Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, The Jesuit Spiritual Center is offering weekend retreats this fall led by various retreat masters, including Father Michael Graham. Join us this October for a weekend of silence as you experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Jeffrey Morrow. He is one of the contributors to A Catholic Guide to the Old Testament from Ascension Press. We're continuing our Old Testament Bible study this morning. Good morning, Dr. Morrow. Good morning. It's great to be here. It is great to have you. And today we're looking at the book of Ezra, another one of the historical books. But this is 
one of those spots, I think, where things might get a little bit confusing because the events of this book are happening after the time of many of the prophets, but the prophets are placed in the Bible after the book of Ezra. Can you kind of clear this up for us? Well, well, sure. So when we divide up the books the way the Christians divide them in the Old Testament, we're dividing them thematically. So the prophets are going to span a huge chunk of time. So we start with the Torah, the first five books, the Pentateuch, and then we move to the historical books, which walk through salvation history from the time of the Exodus all the way to the destruction of the Davidic kingdom, the Babylonian and Assyrian exiles, um, and the divided kingdom leading up to the time of Jesus. And so the prophets span that whole time period from before the Assyrian exile, before the Babylonian exile, and afterwards. So it's gonna, they're going to dovetail with many of the parts that we find throughout the historical books. So they're not really written in chronological order. Which is why the Bible timeline and Great Adventure Bible series is so helpful in this regard to get a better idea of how all of this fits together. So who is Ezra? That's a great question. So Ezra is a priest and a scribe. Um, some readers might be bored by the genealogies, but actually the genealogy of Ezra is really important because it shows that he's not only a descendant of Levi, where all the Levites and the priests come from, but he's a descendant of Aaron, through whom the priests come from. But not just of Aaron, but his grandson Phineas, and then the, the descendant Zadok from the time of David. And that's important because the priesthood ends up narrowing as time goes by because of the infidelity of the people, but then the fidelity of key figures, particularly Aaron's grandson Phineas, and then the descendant Zadok. And so Ezra is a, is a legitimate priest from that line. Okay. Now, who are the other important figures as we read the book of Ezra? Well, there's a couple. The two biggest, I think, well, the three, the big figures are going to be the kings of Persia, right? So Cyrus is mentioned, Darius, Artaxerxes. Um, you'll hear about Nehemiah, uh, who we're going to talk about later. Um, and then also some of the prophets, like Zechariah and Haggai, they will all come up. But Ezra takes center stage as the, the key scribe priest who's following God's will in rebuilding the temple. And this rebuilding of the temple, of course, one of the most significant, um, one of the most significant events that happens in the book of Ezra. I mean, I don't think we can underscore that enough. That's correct. Yeah, that's, that is the key event. Now, can yeah. you discuss this story a little bit more? What, what sure. goes on with the rebuilding of the temple? Well, it starts and stops quite a bit. So this is, a, <laughs> this is a, one of those challenging things in that Cyrus has released... Israel from bondage to Babylon, when he's defeated the Babylonians and the Persians take over. And he, God puts it into his heart to allow the Jews to return to Israel. This is the first time they're called Jews as a people, the Jewish people from the tribe of Judah, primarily. And he's allowed them to rebuild the temple, and Darius is going to second that. But then what happens is some, um, some of the Northerners who are already there in the land, who have survived the Assyrian exile, start to stop this. And so Ezra has to continually petition the king to get this going again. So many years go by after they start the project, and they have to stop it before Artaxerxes allows them to start rebuilding it again. That's the basic drama of the text. Drama is... Uh... <laughs> A good word for it. So what, I mean, what is the, the overall takeaway from that story, do you think, Dr. Morrow? Well, in, in my opinion, it has to do ultimately with the meeting place for God. So the whole world is seen initially in Genesis as this large temple where we are to meet God. 
And then the temple in Israel, in Jerusalem, becomes kind of a, a microcosm of the world, if you will. And so this becomes the place that faithful Israelites will have an encounter with God, and they will bring in the other nations. But ultimately, it points to the, the true new temple, the second temple, the th- sorry, you could say the third temple, mm-hmm. and that is in, the, in heaven. And we see that come down to earth in the form of Jesus, that when God comes among us as one of us, as Jesus— he is ultimately the new temple that the other temples were pointing forward to. Yeah, as he says in the Gospels. So uh, what are the other key themes that we need to keep in mind as we're reading the book of Ezra, Dr. Morrow? Well, I think fidelity to God is a big one. Um, that Ezra doesn't take no for an answer. If God is telling him this has to happen, he will continue to petition the king. And, there's, you know, there's going to be tumult. Uh, we, we encounter the Samaritans. So this is one of those issues where, when we hear about the Samaritans, like the parable of the Good Samaritan and the Gospel of Luke, the rivalry between Samaritans and Jews is longstanding. And so despite the, the difficulties and the obstacles, they follow God and follow God's will. Well, we will pause it there for now. We'll look forward to next time when we continue the story in the book of Nehemiah. But in the meantime, encourage folks to go pick up a copy of A Catholic Guide to the Old Testament from Ascension Press. Ascensionpress.com slash Old Testament is where you can go and uh, get one for yourself so that you can study along with us in this Old Testament Bible study. We've been talking to Dr. Jeffrey Morrow. Doctor, thank you so much. Thank you. It was good to have you. And you can find all of our guests linked at sonrisemorningshow.com. Click on our show notes for the day. And you can see what they look like, click on their picture, get their bio, their information, and all of the links that you need to uh, pick up a copy of whatever book or you know podcast or whatever that they might be promoting. That's also where you can find our podcast after the fact. And uh, once the show is over and we load the podcast up there, you can find them with markers. If you want somebody to learn more about Ezra... All you got to do is click on the one with Dr. Jeffrey Morrow and then click share, click the little timestamp button and copy the link. Take you right there. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Israel is telling the United Nations to evacuate more than a million people in northern Gaza over the next 24 hours. U.N. officials say the Israeli Ministry of Defense told them yesterday to notify Palestinians living in the northern areas of Gaza to evacuate to the southern part of the Gaza Strip. The move could mean that an Israeli ground assault against Hamas is imminent. Israel Defense Forces have reportedly mobilized about 300,000 reservists near the Gaza border. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem has asked the faithful to fast and pray for peace in the Holy Land as war rages between Israel and Hamas militants. In a statement, Patriarch Pierre Batista Pizzaballa said, quote, In this time of sorrow and dismay, we do not want to remain helpless. We cannot let death and its sting be the only word we hear, end quote. The Franciscans who care for the sacred sites in the Holy Land have kept them open so far. The Catholic News Agency reports that while much of Jerusalem is closed, the Franciscan sanctuaries remain open at the request of the Custos of the Holy Land to allow for pilgrims to have as normal an experience as possible. 
in Washington. Steve Scalise is withdrawing from the race to become the next Speaker of the House. Mark Mayfield has more. He announced at a conference meeting Thursday night he would be pulling out of the race following a day full of meetings with fellow Republicans. It appeared unlikely he would get the 217 members of his own party to vote for him on the floor, as a small number of conservatives appeared to block his path. The House Republicans will huddle again Friday morning. I'm Mark Mayfield. People receiving Social Security benefits will see smaller cost of living increase than the past two years. Yesterday, the Social Security Administration announced the annual cost of living adjustment for the next year will be 3.2%. The adjustment means the average monthly payment for retirees will be a little more than $1,900 come January. Benefits saw the biggest boost since the 1980s, the previous two years, because of inflation last year. Recipients received an increase of 5.9%. This past year saw an increase of 8.7%. Now, a little more than a week after the release of the Pope's apostolic exhortation, Laudate Deum, a group of Catholic agencies has joined a campaign for COP28 to ensure that a loss and damage fund effectively meets the needs of the poor. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini has the story. The statement is a joint effort of several Catholic agencies, including Caritas Internationalis, the Scottish Catholic International Fund, the International Cooperation for Development Solidarity and the Laudato Si movement, and is open to leaders of all faiths across the world who wish to show their support for action on loss and damage. The aim of the fund, which was the major achievement of the COP27 in Sharm el-Sheikh last year, is to provide financial assistance to poorer nations as they deal with the negative consequences that arise from the unavoidable risks of climate change, including rising sea levels, prolonged droughts and severe flooding, desertification, forest fires and crop failures. According to the faith leaders, the fund could correct the deep injustice at the heart of the current climate crisis, building peace, harmony and solidarity to respond to this challenge to our common home. The statement therefore calls on COP28 to agree to establish a fit-for-purpose loss and damage fund that gets money to the people who need it most, is adequately resourced based on the polluter-pays principle, fully addresses non-economic losses and damages and corrects the injustice of poorer nations paying the price of other nations' actions. The fund, the religious leaders say, must be accessible, comprehensive, restorative and effective. At the same time, the statement reiterates that the new global fund must be accompanied by urgent action to reduce emissions as quickly as possible and to invest in essential adaptation efforts to prevent future harms. I am Lisa Zengarini. And the Philadelphia Phillies are heading to the National League Championship Series after beating the Atlanta Braves last night 3-1. to one. The Phillies will be facing off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. That's the news. It's 35 past the hour. The show notes is where you'll get the links and resources you heard about on the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith and for the podcast to find and replay an interview. 
To check out the show notes every day, visit the new sacredheartradio.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air, treating customers with integrity for over 90 years for heating, air conditioning, water heaters, plumbing, and more. Schneller Knockelman at skpha.com. skpha.com. Learning, planning, and being prepared is a part of life. Gate of Heaven Cemetery of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati is here to help you understand church teachings so that planning end-of-life decisions can be made with peace of mind. Find out more at Gate of Heaven Cemetery's pre-planning seminar, Tuesday, October 24th at 11 a.m., 2 p.m., or 6 p.m. at 11,000 Montgomery Road. For reservations, 513-489-0300. 513-489-0300. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Friday, October the 13th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at SKPHA. Com. Looks like rain later tonight, but going to be nice up until then. Right now, not too bad with temperatures in the lower 50s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, mostly sunny skies today and a high of 79 degrees. Rain expected after 9 o'clock tonight, so showers likely with some isolated storms in the overnight hours with a low of 59 degrees. It'll be mostly cloudy with occasional light showers tomorrow and a high of 65 for the Miami Valley-Dayton area, sunny today with a high of 78. Showers tonight, thunderstorms possible and an overnight low of 58. Rain early, then showers possible in the afternoon as well, and a high tomorrow of 64. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. Thirty-seven minutes past the hour, you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. So happy to have you along with us on a Friday morning. Sunrise Morning Show legal and political analyst Ken Craigcraft is back with us now. He's a professor at Mount St. Mary's Seminary. He writes for the Catholic Telegraph and our Sunday Visitor, among other publications. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Annie. Nice to be with you again. It is nice to have you back. And we are going to be talking about issue one here in the state of Ohio. It's a proposed amendment to enshrine abortion in the Ohio Constitution. And the attorney general of Ohio, Dave Yost, put out a legal analysis of this proposed amendment recently, basically laying out how he sees it, how how current law would be changed if issue one were to pass, what stood out to you in his analysis, Ken? I think the most, the thing that stuck out the most for me in his analysis is something that, to be perfectly honest, I had not really thought about myself. Mm. And that is the effect that issue one will have on all sorts of existing laws. So not only, and I've written about how it will prevent the legislature from making certain laws. We already know that the heartbeat bill is on hold. But what uh, what the Attorney General of Ohio does, and this is a, a good lesson for other states that are considering such things, is it has all kinds of implications for all kinds of other laws that are already in effect in Ohio, including about chemical abortions, about uh, parental consent, about waiting periods, um, and, and, and also regulations related to just health and safety in, in, uh, in clinics, including abortion clinics. So the effect of non- directly uh, non-abortion laws in Ohio uh, is, is c- could be 
profound or would be profound if this um, if this amendment one passes because it's going to cut the teeth out of a lot of laws that are that are on the books merely to to protect the safety of patients not just in the abortion context but in other contexts as well so what struck me the most and i think that he the attorney general of ohio did a wonderful job in laying this out is the way that if uh, issue amendment uh, if issue one were to pass the way that it would affect a lot of other laws in Ohio uh, and and just throw, um, I mean, you know, as an attorney, I mean, I won't be involved in any of this litigation, but uh, he's, uh, you know, the issue one is doing a, a great, uh, a great service to the attorneys because there's going to be a lot of litigation if it passes. Right. I mean, Ohio, assuming that issue one were to pass and um, we should note the bishops of Ohio have been incredibly outspoken in, um, in in urging voters to vote no on issue one in November. Um, but if it were to pass, I mean, this is not it's not like these laws would be automatically invalidated. No. This would basically embroil Ohio in all kinds of lawsuits for years to come. Is that right? That's exactly right. Oh, that's exactly right. Yeah. The law itself, the issue one itself, by its own terms, is self-executing. In other words, if it passes, it would go into effect that day, literally that mm -hmm. day. So to the first the first Tuesday after the uh, first Monday of uh, November. But all of these other laws that it affects will be subject to litigation because it doesn't wipe those laws off the book. It merely uh, throws into doubt how they would work. And so what you would have are pro-abortion groups, interest groups, the way that pro-abortion interest groups have come into Ohio uh, to put this issue on the ballot, would start litigating all of these other matters as well. And that's why I say, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a litigator's dream in one sense because it's going to cause a great deal of, of litigation and many, many lawsuits related to these other things. And, and I think that what would happen here, and this is, this is a hypothetical that I hope never comes true, is if it were to pass, I think we would be, uh, many people in Ohio would find out very quickly that those of us who have been saying that this is an, uh, an unbelievably extreme issue uh, on the ballot will we'll, we'll see that we were right, that, that it, the way that it uh, takes away the rights of parents uh, to counsel their children and to approve of, of medical procedures and, and the way that it opens the door for not, and not just uh, medical uh, procedures related to abortion or contraception, any, but medical procedures related to so-called gender affirmation care or gender transition care. All of these things that we're saying right now, this issue will take away parents' ability to, to um, supervise their own children, their own minor children, as an example, and, and the litigation will start. Uh, as soon as it passes. And, and this will be one of the issues because of the language of the amendment. Can you talk more about that? Because I have been wondering this, Ken, from a personal standpoint, um, the the vagueness of the language of issue one and just how readily um, litigators, as you were saying, will take advantage of vague language to push these issues that, you know, if you if you listen to um, to the ads and mm -hmm. the people who our who are pushing issue one, for instance, and I've seen stories mm -hmm. on this saying this is not extreme, you know, these people, they're fear mongering and, and all of that. But is it realistic to believe that that uh, that a litigator is going to come at, like, say, I don't know, the ACLU or something is going to come after Ohio almost immediately on things like parental consent and, and the like? I, 
it's not just likely, it's certain because what will happen and because you have you have the what what you have here, and first of all, the extremists are on the other side. For example, just as a parenthetical, I heard a commercial the other day that said if issue one fails, that a woman in Ohio will not be able to get care for her miscarriage. It's a flat out outright lie, Annie. Mm -hmm. uh, and and of course, you know, it's 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 built on a uh, my my kids love the movie Elf. It's built on a throne of lies. Uh, the the issue, uh, but but yes, it will. And the reason it will, Annie, is because of the vagueness of much of the of the language of the amendment. And again, that's on purpose. The the vagueness of the language is on purpose by the people who want this bill to pass or this issue to pass. Precisely because it opens up the possibility of litigation and the possibility of gutting other Ohio laws. So, for example, it talks about pregnant individuals or any individual rather than uh, any individual majority or any adult or any any person over 18. Uh, it talks and, and it won't it doesn't even use the word woman and it uses the word individual, which opens the door for all kinds of um, uh, shenanigans about uh, uh, transgender issues and, and other things like that related to the kinds of surgeries that would typically be related to contraception, but which can easily lead to, by logic, uh, surgeries that have nothing to do with contraception and everything to do with so-called gender-affirming care, such as a hysterectomy on a minor. Mm. That, that could be comprehended by this, and the ACLU and other groups are going to come in and litigate and say that it does comprehend those things. So, yes, you're exactly right in the vagueness of, of the terms of the amendment are precisely, the purpose of the vagueness is precisely to allow those types of things. Now, I will say this, Annie, one of the, if it were to pass, God forbid, but if it were to pass, I think, I think that there's a very good possibility that its enforcement will immediately be stayed. And I can guarantee you that the motions are already ready to be filed with the Ohio Supreme Court, that there's a possibility that its enforcement could be stayed precisely on the issue that I'm identifying. And that is the vagueness of some of the terms and language. You know, one of the, one of the um, staples of good law is that the language is clear and so that you know what the law means. It's not. It's difficult to know what this law means, which is one of the reasons that that um, it's you know there's so much debate about it in the media and in the commercials and things like that. Uh, it's very difficult to know what some of these terms mean. So it's not it's not out of the question that even if it were to pass, the Ohio Supreme Court would stay it while it hears arguments about the vagueness vagueness of some of the terms. And of course, if it's vague. Then it cannot be. Then it cannot be enforced, and we would be back at square one. I'm not optimistic about that. I'm not predicting that, but I'm saying that there's a good possibility that that would be the case. Let's hope that the issue fails in Ohio, so that we don't have to worry about that. And, and by the way, Annie, it, it's incumbent upon us to to say that this is not just an Ohio issue. The eyes of the other uh, traditionally pro-life states are on Ohio here, because if this works and if issue one passes, the same groups that are pouring tens of millions of dollars into Ohio to pass this constitutional amendment are going to use the same tactics in other states that are traditionally pro-life, including states like North Carolina and South Carolina and Kentucky mm -hmm. and Indiana and other states. So it's not just an Ohio issue. It's, a, it's going to be a bellwether issue for other states. And it's a test run for pro-abortion groups to see whether they can pull this off here and then go ahead and pull it off in other states that have been traditionally pro-life. Well, as Ohio goes, so goes the nation is uh, what we often Probably. hear in, in political circles. And so, yeah, this is an issue that our national audience needs to be paying attention to. And please pray 
for Ohio. We've been talking to Ken Craycraft. Ken, thank you so much. Thank you, Annie. It's been great to be with you. Likewise. All right, it's 13 till. Father Hezekiah Carnazzo joins us next. It's not over. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. I'm Marianne Koharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Our messages feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy assistance. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. Please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. We know a lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available, along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. The EWTN On Demand platform features 50 new podcasts every week, as well as an ever-expanding library of audio and video content. For Catholics who want to learn more about their faith, simply using their mobile device, computer, or TV. Your favorite EWTN programs are available 24-7. Visit EWTN.com and click On Demand. EWTN is the global Catholic network. us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Hezekiah Carnazzo from the Institute of Culture. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Annie. It's a blessing to be with you and your listeners today. It is a blessing to have you back. And we're looking at the readings for Mass this Sunday, the 28th Sunday in Ordinary Time. And the Gospel is taken from Matthew 22. Now bear with me here. Jesus is telling another parable about the Kingdom of Heaven and likening it to a wedding banquet. And the king invites these guests. They don't come, so the servants are instructed to invite anyone. Some ignore him. Others kill the servants. So then the king burns the city to the ground, and then the servants are told to gather all they can find to come to this banquet. And then at the banquet, the king finds a guy who's not dressed in wedding clothes, and so He gets kicked out where there is wailing and gnashing of teeth. Now, Father, this doesn't seem very fair. I mean, how was that guy supposed to know that he needed wedding clothes? I mean, isn't God supposed to be nice? Why would he care about that? That's right. So much for the peace-loving Jesus. (laughs) The king was enraged and sent his troops to destroy those murderers and burned their city. You know, sometimes I feel like, you know, we could use a little bit of divine justice about now. And, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, no, you know, there's two things going on, Annie. The fathers of the church tell us that, yes, this parable is about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, which is the church. Most of us think of the church as somehow invented by Jesus or coming about at the time of Pentecost. This is not a patristic understanding of the Church. The Church is God's intention in the Garden of Eden, that we are made an assembly 
in the image and likeness of God who has lived a life of loving communion from all eternity. So the fathers of the church tell us the Trinity is the eternal church, this life of communion, of assembly, and we are called to live that. And so we can talk about the church of the Old Testament and the church of the New Testament. In the church of the Old Testament, Jesus here uh, makes a parable, which was very understandable because it was always understood from the first words of, of, of Genesis all the way through the Old Testament, that God's relationship with his people is that of a, of a groom and a bride. Huh? And the marriage banquet that Jesus speaks of was a, a, a symbol of this relationship between God and his people. And here, sadly, we learn about the church of the Old Testament and those servants who were dispatched to call the guests mistreated and, and murdered were the prophets those who are called to warn the people. And Jesus is going to come now in Matthew chapter 22 here toward the end of the gospel to, to be the, the, the last and greatest prophet of all, to tell the truth about who God is, to reveal him to us. And what do they do? They murder him. And so uh, Jesus here prophesies that, 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 that what the Old Testament church was called to do, the New Testament church will do, and that is shine the light far beyond Israel, and call in the Gentiles to the kingdom, which brings about the second part of this, this gospel passage, when all these people do come in from all over, not just from the chosen people, which infuriated his listeners. Like, what do you mean you're going to call in the sinners, the tax collectors, the, you know, the prostitutes, or the, and, and God forbid the pagans, the Greeks? Never. Okay, but Jesus said, yes, exactly what's going to happen. Here this man comes without a, a garment, and your question is right. Well, the poor guy... He's sitting having coffee on the corner, and they go out, and they say, hey, come on, there's nobody to come. You want to come to the party? And then he comes, and then he gets thrown out. It's not right. Well, you have to understand in the ancient world, for a wedding party, the one throwing the party would send the garments out so that the people could come properly attired to the feast. It wasn't up to them to choose what to wear. It was the one that invited that sent the clothing out. And here this guy this guy did not prepare himself, even with the gifts that were given. The church father tells the garment that this man wears is a symbol of his life, the virtuous life or the vicious life, the life uh, which is woven, given to us in baptism, but woven by us throughout our life until that garment truly becomes our garment, a garment of virtue which shines. That is a beautiful insight, by the way, from an old priest I knew. He says, look at a wedding garment. He says, that's the virtuous life, woven beautifully together into one beautiful in which we present ourselves to the Lord at the end of time. He says, but the wedding garment also has jewels on it, which shine, because our virtuous life is meant to be evangelical, to call others into a relationship with God who are attracted by what we have been clothed with, the grace of the all Holy Spirit. Clothed with the cross as well. Well, yes, Annie, and it's only through the cross that we come to the life of God. You know, I'm glad you bring up the cross in this time, in this kind of post-feast of the cross time. The Old Testament reading comes from, from Isaiah 25, and your listeners can look this up. This prophecy that on, on this mountain in Jerusalem, death will be destroyed, and the Lord will wipe away the tear from every face. The people at the time of Isaiah were living through a time in which they were under attack from the Assyrian and Babylonian empires, and things looked terrible, even within Jerusalem. There were pagan temples set up on the Mount of Olives, sacrificing babies to all. It was a horrible situation. But the Lord said, I will bring life regardless of your sins. And then we hear in the responsorial psalm that we know quite well, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Remembering David 
as he was a boy shepherding the sheep and the sun was setting, even though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no evil. Imagine David, the boy, shepherding the sheep and the sun is setting and the animals are starting to stir. He's, a, he's fearful. And in the midst of all of this craziness, in the midst of Jesus going to the cross, in the midst of the Assyrians and Babylonians attacking Jerusalem, the Lord is there. He will guide us. The Lord is my shepherd, David said. Even though I walk in this dark place, I just a, a word of encouragement to our brothers and sisters that are listening to this program. We are living in a very dark time in our society and in our church. The Lord has not abandoned us. We've abandoned him. He's always there, his guiding hand. He is our shepherd. If only we will turn to him and be shepherded by him to be able to come into his house again. We will live with him. And then every tear will be wiped away and death will be destroyed, but only with the Lord, not without him. Well, you know, Father, I love that you told us about how the wedding garment would be supplied to the guests, because that brings a whole new meaning to the second reading as well from St. Paul to the Philippians uh, chapter four. He says, my God will fully supply whatever you need in accord with his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. You know, Annie, I didn't even see that till you just mentioned that you're right. Isn't that the wisdom of the church, how she sets before us these beautiful readings? If only we had the eyes to see and prepare ourselves. And again, in Philippians, St. Paul says, regardless of what comes, whether it's good or bad, whether I'm hungry or, or I'm fed, it's the Lord who strengthens me. And we need to learn this through all of these challenges we face today. Rely upon the Lord and he will guide our life. He's always there for us to shepherd us. We've been talking to Father Hezekiah Carnazzo. And Father, if listeners want to check out the resources you've got available over at the Institute, where do they find them? Instituteofcatholicculture.org. And you can find instituteofcatholicculture.org linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you so much, Father Hezekiah. we got another hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up for most of our affiliates here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. In this crazy world, where can Catholics go with their hard-earned money and not support businesses that go against our faith? Check out the Angels List on SacredHeartRadio.com. It's a list of businesses owned and operated by our Catholic brothers and sisters who underwrite Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. And if you'd like to get your business on the Angels List, email me, Leah, at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Twin Dental of Cincinnati. Since 1986, twin brothers, doctors David and Michael Rothen, have been providing superior dental care in a relaxed and comfortable setting for the entire family. The twin dental doctors utilize advanced dentistry techniques from sedation to implants and the latest in cosmetic options to preserve and beautify smiles. Twin Dental, located just off the I-275 exit at Hamilton Avenue. For a complimentary evaluation, 513-825-6111 and online at twindental.com. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozard Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozard Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait. 513-941-0428. In the past decade, more people have chosen natural or green options when planning a funeral, and the Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society can help. Natural or green burials are actually quite traditional. It's how people were laid to rest for most of human history. Find out more about natural or green options for burial or cremation at the Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society, where they also offer zero financing for pre-planning. The Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society, 557-2306, extension 319, or at cccsohio.org. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. 
We strive to provide the highest quality diamond and CBN products manufactured by privately owned companies, enabling us to provide prompt and personal service and you to avoid the unnecessary cost and frustrations of dealing with bureaucracies. Find us online at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com, theabrasiveone.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. I'm Precious Blood Father Kevin Scow from Archbishop McNicholas High School. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. It is Friday, the 13th of October. Let's begin together in prayer on this Feast of Our Lady of Fatima in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Have mercy, God, in your kindness. When we are reluctant to own our sins as sins, have mercy on us. When we are afraid in our sinfulness to pray, have mercy on us. When we feel hopeless about the sinful patterns in which we are trapped, Lord, have mercy on us. When we refuse to forgive others because we cannot forgive ourselves, Lord, have mercy on us in your kindness. O God of forgiveness, you sent your only Son to live and die among us in order to set us free from the merciless snares of sin and death. Forgive us of our sins. Heal what we dare not face. Grant humility where we take refuge in false pride. Grant us singleness of heart and a steadfast spirit through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We are glad that you are with us here on a Friday morning. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis is running video. And uh, as of this morning, you can catch us on YouTube, but you can also catch us on Facebook Live. So go to the Sunrise Morning Show Facebook page uh, and click on that Facebook thing, and you can watch the show live on Facebook if you like doing that sort of thing. But it's all available, those links, at sunrisemorningshow.com and in the show notes. Up this hour, Father Mike Schmitz is going to be with us to talk about what the Catechism says about the life of Beatitude. Janice Breedenbach is going to be along from the Pursuit of Wisdom program at Ave Maria University. Uh, Bobby Schindler from the Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network and also Father Jonathan Duncan with us this hour. We'll be looking ahead to the Sunday Mass readings and unpacking those a bit, so please do. Stay with us if you are able. Right now, it is two minutes past. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Steve Scalise is withdrawing from the race to become the next Speaker of the House. The Louisiana congressman announced at a conference meeting last night that he would be pulling out of the race 
Following a day full of meetings with fellow Republicans, it appeared unlikely that he could get the necessary 217 members of his own party to vote for him. Israel is warning the United Nations to evacuate more than a million people in Gaza. Mark Mayfield reports. On Thursday, U.N. officials said the Israeli Ministry of Defense told them to notify Palestinians living in the northern areas of Gaza to evacuate to the southern part of the Strip in the next 24 hours. The U.N. says it's physically impossible to evacuate that many people without devastating humanitarian consequences. The news comes as officials expect the Israeli military to launch a ground assault against Hamas forces. The Israel Defense Forces say they have mobilized around 300,000 reservists near the Gaza border and are continuing large-scale strikes on Hamas targets. I'm Mark Mayfield. Secretary of State Antony Blinken met with Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas today to discuss Israel's war with Hamas. The two leaders met in Amman, Jordan, where he also met with King Abdullah. Later, Blinken will head to Qatar to discuss the conflict with the country's prime minister there. Qatar's foreign ministry says the two leaders will also discuss the protection of civilians and ways to de-escalate the war. About $6 billion in the Iranian funds, meanwhile, are currently being held in a Qatari bank as part of a prisoner swap with the U.S. to be used for future humanitarian purposes. Questions have been raised on Iran's ability to access the funds because of its history of backing Hamas. Law enforcement officials across the U.S. are on alert after a former Hamas chief called for a global day of jihad to take place today. There have already been some pro-Israel and pro-Palestinian marchers clashing in cities across the country since the war broke out between Israel and Hamas. Republican Congressman Michael McCall of Texas said yesterday he's concerned about synagogues being targeted. New York Governor Kathy Hochul says law enforcement agencies throughout the state of New York are preparing for demonstrations. The NYPD has ordered all officers to be in uniform today. Delegates at the Synod on Synodality are praying for peace as they continue to meet and deliberate in Rome. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. Today's opening prayer was introduced by Iraqi Cardinal Luis Rafael Sacco. I would like to invite you this morning to pray for peace in the world, especially in the Holy Land, but also in Ukraine. The violence in Iraq, Iran, and Lebanon, Cardinal Sacco said. The people are waiting with much hope, he continued, to live in dignity and in fraternity and not always in fear and concern. As he called for prayer, fraternity, and solidarity with the suffering, the assembly recited several prayers, including Psalm 129's, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. During the morning prayer, Cardinal Sacco also prayed, O God, let the whole of humanity who have one origin from you form one family, without violence, living united in peace for our Lord Jesus. Also during the morning prayer, the president of the Focolare movement, Margaret Karam, a Palestinian Catholic, prayed for peace. She prayed to the Lord for the Holy Land, for the people of Israel and Palestine, who are under the grip of unprecedented violence, as well as for the victims, especially the children, for the wounded, for those held hostage, for the missing and their families. In these hours of anguish and suspense, she said, we join our voices to that of the Pope and to the choral prayer of those around the world who implore peace. Ms. Karam also recalled all of the other countries of the Middle East and all the countries at war. Help us, Lord, to commit ourselves to building a fraternal world so that these people and those in the same conditions of conflict 
conflict and instability and violence may find the path of respect for human rights. In these days and in the past, the Holy Father has made countless prayers for peace and nations suffering from war. The Holy Father had personally made a visit to Iraq in March of 2021, marking the first visit to a pope to the Middle Eastern nation. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. And the National League Championship Series is now set. The Philadelphia Phillies will take on the Arizona Diamondbacks starting on Monday. The Phillies beat the Atlanta Braves last night 3-1 to to earn the right to play for a spot in the World Series. Meanwhile, the Houston Astros will host the Texas Rangers for Game 1 of the American League Championship Series starting on Sunday. So, Matt, that means two nights with no baseball. With no baseball. But you got the Friday night lights. That's uh, true. If you are That's in, true. you know, listening in the, uh, or I mean, if you're watching in any kind of place that's got high school football, and then you got college football tomorrow. Yeah. And then you got baseball competing with the NFL schedule. Yeah. So it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be interesting. You know, I'm. Uh, well, I'm I think through. baseball has a chance this weekend because Taylor Swift already had her football game. Oh, did she? Yeah. Who's who's Taylor Swift? The Chiefs beat the Broncos. She's the Chiefs mascot. Taylor All Swift's right. boyfriend beat the Broncos last night. Did he play? I have no idea. I, don't I didn't watch the game. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I canceled. I was in a Catholic political thought ago. class last night. I was not watching football. I was, was learning uh, about Americanism. I was reheating leftovers for leftover night. And- Neat. Doing a family rosary. It was very pious around my house. Neat. Very pious. That's awesome. That's awesome. Today is Friday, October the 13th. It is the anniversary of the miracle of the sun at Fatima. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. It's a past. Happy to welcome back to the Sunrise Morning Show, Father Mike Schmitz. He is host of the Catechism in a Year podcast from Ascension Press. Good morning, Father. Good morning. How are you doing? I am doing fine and happy to be talking to you. We're going to be discussing Christian Beatitude today. It's an early section in part three of the Catechism on our life in Christ. You know, Father, I think we often let the Beatitudes wash over us, don't we? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who are persecuted for Mm -hmm. the sake of Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That all seems great. I mean, but... I think maybe it's because we don't know what some of these words mean, or or maybe there are some that we've never really experienced in in yeah. our very cushy Catholic padded pew lifestyle that we have. Um, but how do the Beatitudes actually make us partakers in the divine nature, as the Catechism says? Yeah, that's a great. I mean, even the fact that you just highlighted the fact that. A lot of us just, again, you know, like you said, we let the Beatitudes kind of wash over us. Kind of, like, yep, yep, those all sound good. Those are all, all great. But thank you for the recommendation, Lord. You know, yeah. kind of a situation. As opposed to realizing that the attitudes are at the heart of Jesus' teaching. They're, they're, in fact, that's the Catechism 16 or 1760 says. It says that the attitudes are at the heart of Jesus' preaching. And so to recognize that means that I can't simply say, I am aware of them, but not familiar with them. You know, like I'm aware of them, but I don't necessarily pay too much attention to them. But I, it makes sense. Like you, had, again, everything you just said was really, really, really wise. Was that sometimes I just don't, I don't know what they mean. I don't know how, how, how would I start living the Beatitudes if this is the heart of Jesus is preaching? What am I supposed to do with it? 
Father, it says right after that line that that you just read, the Beatitudes are at the heart of Jesus' preaching. Then it says, they take up the promises made to the chosen people since Abraham. Well, I know that you're doing a year in the catechism right now, but you just completed not that long ago reading the Bible in a year. So what does that line, I mean, how did you see that line play out in salvation history? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, so the chosen people of Israel, what are the promises of God that, that they hear? What are the promises God made to the chosen people uh, since Abraham? Well, the promises are here is worldwide blessing. Here is mm. a, a land. Here is a dynasty or a kingdom that goes on for all eternity. And so the Beatitudes are saying, OK, this is wide open. This is not limited to the people of Israel. It is now expanded to all of God's people, that's one of the reasons why, you know, the first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so it's not just a matter of, yes, the people of Israel will one day get their, their kingdom on earth back. It's Jesus Christ takes this, takes the promises that, that God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right, in the Old Testament, made to his people and expands them to not merely here and now, not merely a temporal reality, like, you know, on this earth, but an eternal reality. And it goes on to just like that, that sense of blessed uh, of the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And this, this truth of, you know, what does, what does Moses ask the Lord? Moses asked the Lord, Lord, let me see your glory. Let me see your face. And he isn't, he isn't able to. He sees the passing glory. He sees the fading glory. He sees the, you know, behind of God. But he doesn't see his face. But here's Jesus who says, okay, in the new covenant, all of these promises, you are fulfilled in a way that you could never have imagined. You actually, the pure in heart, will actually see God face to face. Wow. Wow. And I love that point you made, too, about how it, I mean, even more beyond the land. Like, this is not like a territory with borders. This is right. the kingdom of heaven. And and you talk about that blessing. I mean, what is that blessing for so that we can be a light to the nations, right? And, and, and so that leads me to this last question for you, Father. You know, we hear in Scripture about how with Jesus, the law of God, which is love ultimately, is written on our hearts and not on tablets of stone. And the Beatitudes mm-hmm. are part of that reality, are they not? Yes, absolutely. They are the promise of God to give us new hearts. And this is one of the, the things that is so powerful. I, I remember when I was first exposed to uh, St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. Mm. And, and every time we, I, I teach the Theology of the Body, uh, one of the things that keeps going back is that here is Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, which is where the Beatitudes are found. In the, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says things like, you've heard it was said that you shall not murder, don't kill. But I say to you, either you grow angry with your brother, you're guilty of murder. And you, you was heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say, and then when looks lustfully on another, it's committing adultery. And so remember as a, as a young person going, like, wait, I, I, could, I can avoid killing people. I can avoid committing adultery. I don't know if I can avoid getting mad at my brother or, you know, having lustful <laughs> thoughts. And, and like, wow, Jesus, you're really wrapping up the, I was, in a, I was scraping by by not breaking the Ten Commandments. Now you've made it even harder. Jesus didn't come to give us new rules. He came to give us new hearts, and this is kind of part of the heart of John Paul II's Theology of the Body, is he came to actually change what he calls our ethos. And our ethos is that inner world in every one of us that's attracted to some things and repelled by other things. And so what this promises is not just that, oh, here's new rules, here's a harder, harder way of life, 
But Jesus comes along and says, actually, here's what I'm going to do, is I'm going to make it possible by giving you my Holy Spirit that not just your external behavior is going to cease being bad and start being good, but that even your internal life, your, your ethos, your inner world, your heart is going to love what I love and hate what I hate. And this is this, is this radical transformation that we're, we're all called to as Christians to actually let the Lord give us new hearts. And again, what does that mean? That means I love what God loves and I hate what God hates. And that involves a, uh, you know, metamorphosis, right? It involves a transformation. The metanoia is the, it's the, the Christian word in the New Testament. Involve, involves a new way of thinking and a new way of valuing what is good, what is evil, what should I desire, what should I not desire? Because in, in this section, even on the Beatitudes, it highlights that there is desire we all have, and that's good. We're called to bring that desire under the reign of Christ and desire happiness, and desire holiness, and desire what God wants. And when that happens, I mean, that's where we find true happiness, right, Father? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. When we when we are willing to die to ourselves, um, and that not again, not the sense of just anything you like, you have to say no to. And the, but in the sense of, okay, what does God say about this? And, and it really, truly involves a real surrender in order to have a new heart. And, and as long as I'm kind of holding on to my own my own will, and that's one of the reasons why I think we pray every day. I will be done. As long as I'm holding on to my will, my plan, my I think this would go better if it was like, you know, such and such, it's going to be a, a powerful and deathmatch interior battle. But as long as I'm willing to surrender and say, God, it may be possible. In fact, it is entirely likely that your will is the plan, the will that ought to happen. And what you have revealed, even if I'm, you know, railing against it, even if I'm it pinching me. I I need to I need to let it be transformed again. This this new ethos, this uh, inner world that attracts me to certain things and repels me from other things. That God, I want to love what you love, and I want to hate what you hate. We've been talking to Father Mike Schmitz, and if you want to hear more about this, go check out his Catechism in a Year podcast if you haven't already. You can find it through Ascension Press and linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. I really appreciate this conversation with you, too. Well, happy to have it and hope we have more. Thank you again, Father. All right. It is 17 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, lighthouse work, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available.
It's the season of chunky soup and chunky sweaters, which means it's also pumpkin coffee season. And the Mystic Monks have their pumpkin spice blend in stock and ready for you to enjoy. And when you go to the Monks through sunrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on any flavor coffee or tea that you buy. Why shell out five bucks for a tall PSL when you can customize your own at home and drink it from a Sunrise Morning Show mug that you can find in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through sunrisemorningshow.com. This month's devotion is to the Holy Rosary. St. John Paul II called the Rosary his favorite prayer, in which we meditate with Mary upon the mysteries which she, as a mother, meditated on in her heart. The Rosary is one of the most cherished prayers of our Catholic faith. Join in this devotion to Mary and strengthen our connection to Our Lady with rosary beads, bracelets, boxes, pouches, and rings. Available at EWTNRC.com. 19 past. Here's Anna with headlines. Steve Scalise has announced he is withdrawing his name from the race to become the next Speaker of the House. Israel is warning the United Nations to evacuate more than a million people in Gaza. And in the meantime, the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem has asked the faithful to fast and pray for peace in the Holy Land. Next newscast coming up in about 11 minutes. By the way, you can go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click on either our Facebook logo or our YouTube logo and watch the live stream. You know, yesterday I got to be on, sort of impromptu, I got a note from Bernadette at AM 12 Rock. Rock in Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, saying, hey, would you be able to join us for uh, any of our fall spirit drive for AM 1260 The Rock? Nice. And I said, Sure. I called her back, and she says, all right, can I call you in five minutes? I'll put you on live with Father Duck. <laughs> I was like, all right, I love live we radio. got it. So got to talk to them. Nice. Debbie from Take Two was on with awesome. them as well. How's everybody doing in Cleveland? I feel like everybody's doing all right in Cleveland. Good. They'd be doing Good. more all right if any of you, especially listening in the Cleveland area, would go to am1260therock.com and click on the orange donate button at the top of the page. Yes. That would uh, be very helpful to Support. Them. The Rock. Support. As they asked me, like, at the end, you know, what would you say to get people to support? I was like, listen, if a Bengals fan is telling you to donate to a Cleveland radio station, you know it's serious. You know it's serious. It's so true. I'm glad you shouted out the Bengals. Indeed. Good job. 21 past. Does your parish have a spiritual event planned? Sacred Heart Radio can help get the word out. Whether it's a parish mission, 40 hours of adoration, or a speaker you've invited, just visit sacredheartradio.com and click on events and give us the facts to put on the radio and on our events calendar. One of the benefits of having a local Catholic station is to inform our listeners of the many spiritual activities happening throughout the tri-state. So to submit a spiritual event planned for your parish, just visit sacredheartradio.com and click on events. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozard Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozart Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait at brosartpharmacy.com. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Is inflation making you feel frustrated and out of control when it comes to your expenses? We have a solution. It's Solidarity HealthShare. 
With Solidarity HealthShare, you control what doctors you go to and how much you spend with pricing options that start as low as $384 for families. Take control of your health care and your budget with Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Gate of Heaven Catholic Cemetery of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati is commemorating the 50th anniversary of the end of the Vietnam War. The ceremony is Saturday, October 28th, 2 p.m. at the Veterans Garden at 11,000 Montgomery Road and will feature keynote speakers, presentation of service pins to veterans, and a rosary following the ceremony. Please help honor this generation of brave men and women and their families. More information at gateofheaven.org slash events. Three minutes past the hour, you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Dr. Janice Chi Breidenbach joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. She's a philosophy professor at Ave Maria University and one of the instructors in their new free online course offerings called The Pursuit of Wisdom online at thepursuitofwisdom.org. Dr. Breidenbach, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me on. You bet. So your course is on the philosophy of motherhood, which you point out is an understudied philosophy. I think that's an understatement. I have a theory about this, <laughs> Dr. Breidenbach, and I'm wondering okay. what you think. So first, I'd love to hear it. We moms are way too busy actually doing motherhood to really think about it in an academic setting. And two, all of yeah. us take <laughs> our moms very much for granted. What do you think? I think both of those are, are totally right. Uh, I mean, society, you know, takes motherhood totally for granted uh, and uh, just, you know, doesn't think that it's uh, uh, something very much worth thinking about. Um, but, you know, I mean, when you really reflect on it, right, uh, you and I know that uh, nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, uh, all of human life is, is really centered and founded on, on this phenomenon. So, mm. but, you know, I, I think there's also just something about how, uh, in the background, motherhood is. I mean, maybe we're not taking it for granted, but we, you know, I mean, we we do just assume that you know this is this is part of life, right? And um, and and that you know it's it's something that maybe we don't need to think about. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the impetus for this course really is to say that you know there's something deeply, profoundly interesting about motherhood from a philosophical standpoint, uh, but also from a theological one. Sure. So that's really what the the course is about. Why do you think motherhood is so transformative in the life of a woman? So, yeah, I mean, I think this is a truth that even, you know, like a secular philosopher can get at. And indeed, it's, uh, it is something discussed by secular philosophers, just how, you know, how much of a transformative experience mo- uh, motherhood is in the sense that we can't even really anticipate, you know, what motherhood will be like until it happens to us. And I'm, you know, personally very interested in what I call the, the aspects of natural motherhood. So, you know, we think about the, uh, the, the sort of uh, the, the, the process, right, that begins with the conception uh, of human life from union of man and woman, uh, pregnancy uh, that lasts nine months. I mean, that's uh, no small amount of time. Yeah. Uh, childbirth, which is no small feat. Um, exclusive breastfeeding on demand, which, you know, in some cases can last for quite a long time. 
And I think for many women, uh, including myself, there's a kind of surprise by how, uh, how wonderfully transformative this whole process can be. Uh, and, and yet it's also like a deeply biological process. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's a kind of biological truth about life. Um, that, you know, we are part of. And uh, we alone, however, as human beings, can reflect on this process. And, you know, the English spiritual writer Carol Halslander once said, you know, any uh, animal, like, a, you know, as long as it's a female, uh, can, can, you know, be, be a mother, right? She says, like, any cow in the field mm-hmm. can be a mother. But really it's only human beings that can ref- reflect profoundly on the significance of this experience, and to, to that extent, I think it is transformative for us that we can, you know, gain all sorts of philosophical and theological insights from this deeply, you know, I mean, as, as you put it, like a kind of biological experience, a fact of life that we may take for granted. Well, we know from, well, from John Paul II and others that our, St. Paul, (laughs) that our bodies are meant to tell us something about God, right? I mean, all of creation is meant to tell us something about God. And I know that God is our father, but Dr. Breidenbach, what does motherhood teach us about God, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's the the question of the deepest profound significance. I think it teaches us a lot. And what's really interesting about this is that, you know, our Christian faith is not the only one that that thinks that it does. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I was really struck when I learned recently that uh, within the Muslim sort of prayers, the word Rahmah is is, uh, invoked, which means divine mercy, right? It's like the divine tenderness of God. But the word Rahmah means womb, and there's a kind of Hebraic origin here, too. So even within Islamic theology, I think you could say there's a kind of, maybe, it's, again, it's a kind of taking for granted um, kind of philosophical assumption that needs to be further elaborated on. But the very fact of life as beginning in, you know, another person's body enveloped in this way and a kind of, you know, secret of gestation uh, reveals to us something about God himself. I mean, that's, I think that's the, the philosophical point, the theological one, too. Um, the fact of our own vulnerability, uh, the fact of our, our utter dependence on God, right? I mean, we, we see ourselves in this metaphor as the helpless, you know, baby who can only be protected by this kind of, this kind of envelopment, this kind of metaphysical, total uh, envelopment. And, and that's, that's who we are uh, relative to God. And there's something very deep there. Uh, But of course, you know, our Catholic religion, too, uh, emphasizes uniquely the greatness of of Mary, who in some sense is simply a mother, but she's also the greatest mother of all time. Uh, And she's great, not because of something in her own self, but because of the child she bore, uh, who is also God. Wow, uh, and there's there's just a model here which I think is very interesting uh, for us because you know Mary's greatness. There is a certain greatness in Mary too. I think I would say like the greatness of her humility and and the unity of all of her virtues, which allow her to accept this gift. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I think I think it does take a certain amount of greatness, or you might say excellence. Uh, to to be the recipient of, of greatness. I mean, we might think of how hard it can be sometimes to accept, you know, a really wonderful gift 
from someone, our pride gets in the way, we feel embarrassed. But, you know, I mean, the, the graciousness of Mary in receiving this, this amazing gift of life is, is a seri- I mean, it's, it's just an amazing model for, for us, too, uh, you know, as mothers, um, but as Christians, right, as, um, as adult, everyone who is uh, a sort of subject of, of the kingdom of God, we could say. Um, Mary is a great metaphysical marvel, right, as the mother of God. And, wow. and you know, we give her this title of Theotokos, and there's just so much packed into this title. Amen to that. If you're just joining us, we're talking to Dr. Janice Chi Breidenbach. She's a philosophy professor at Ave Maria University and has a short course over at thepursuitofwisdom.com. It's a free online course on the philosophy of motherhood, and you can find The Pursuit of Wisdom linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Breidenbach, thank you so much. Thank you. God bless. You too. Thank you. All right. It's 31 minutes past the hour now. It's time for news. Israel is telling the United Nations to evacuate more than a million people in northern Gaza over the next 24 hours. UN officials say the Israeli Ministry of Defense told them yesterday to notify Palestinians living in the northern areas to evacuate to the southern part of the Gaza Strip. The move could mean that Israeli ground assault against Hamas is imminent. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem has asked the faithful to fast and pray for peace in the Holy Land as the war rages on. In a statement yet, in a statement this week, Patriarch Pierre Padista Bitsabala said, quote, In this time of sorrow and dismay, we do not want to remain helpless. We cannot let death and its sting be the only word we hear, end quote. In Washington, Steve Scalise is withdrawing from the race to become the next Speaker of the House. Mark Mayfield reports. He announced at a conference meeting Thursday night he would be pulling out of the race following a day full of meetings with fellow Republicans. It appeared unlikely he would get the 217 members of his own party to vote for him on the floor, as a small number of conservatives appeared to block his path. The House Republicans will huddle again Friday morning. I'm Mark Mayfield. Ford Motor Company is telling the United Auto Workers that its 23% pay raise offer is the most they can afford to do. The UAW is striking the big three automakers as they seek a 40% wave. Ford, The Ford Blue president said the offer made to the union puts employees in the top 25% of all hourly and salaried jobs in the U.S., calling it a, an incredibly positive offer. A week after the release of the Pope's apostolic exhortation, a group of Catholic agencies has joined a campaign for COP to ensure a loss in damage fund is effective. Lisa Zingarini reports. The statement is a joint effort of several Catholic agencies, including Caritas Internationalis, the Scottish Catholic International Fund, the International Cooperation for Development Solidarity and the Laudato Si movement, and is open to leaders of all faiths across the world who wish to show their support for action on loss and damage. The aim of the fund, which was the major achievement of the COP27 in Sharm el-Sheikh last year, is to provide financial assistance to poorer nations as they deal with the negative consequences that arise from the unavoidable risks of climate change, including rising sea levels, prolonged droughts and severe flooding, desertification, forest fires and crop failures. According to the faith leaders, the fund could correct the deep injustice at the heart of the current climate crisis, building peace, harmony and solidarity to respond to this challenge to our common home. 
The statement therefore calls on COP28 to agree to establish a fit-for-purpose loss and damage fund that gets money to the people who need it most, is adequately resourced based on the polluter pays principle, fully addresses non-economic losses and damages and corrects the injustice of poorer nations paying the price of other nations' actions. The fund, the religious leaders say, must be accessible, comprehensive, restorative and effective. At the same time, the statement reiterates that the new global fund must be accompanied by urgent action to reduce emissions as quickly as possible and to invest in essential adaptation efforts to prevent future harms. I am Lisa Zengarini. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past the hour. Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by you. Yes, your donations make Catholic Radio possible, so to give a gift of any amount, please visit sacredheartradio.com and click Donate or call 513-731-7740. And thank you. Cincinnati Right to Life presents the Golden Evening for Life. Thursday, October 19th at the Sharonville Convention Center. Featuring former abortionist Dr. John Bruchowski, musician Mike Donahue from 10th Avenue North, activist Mark Hauk, abortion survivor Rebecca Kiesling, and Sacred Heart Radio's Anna Mitchell. The Golden Evening for Life, October 19th at the Sharonville Convention Center. Reservations at CincinnatiRightToLife.org. That's CincinnatiRightToLife.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Water heaters, plumbing repair, and drain cleaning backed by Schneller Knockelman's 100% satisfaction guarantee. Schneller Knockelman at skpha.com. skpha.com. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Friday, October the 13th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Looks like rain later tonight, but going to be nice up until then. Right now, not too bad with temperatures in the lower 50s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, mostly sunny skies today and a high of 79 degrees. Rain expected after 9 o'clock tonight, so showers likely with some isolated storms in the overnight hours with a low of 59 degrees. It'll be mostly cloudy with occasional light showers tomorrow and a high of 65. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, sunny today with a high of 78. Showers tonight, thunderstorms possible and an overnight low of 58. Rain early, then showers possible in the afternoon as well, and a high tomorrow of 64. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. The Sunrise Morning Show continues on this Friday, the 13th of October. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Bobby Schindler from the Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network, online at lifeandhope.com. Bobby, good morning. Good morning, Matt. I always like it when you've got good news to share and uplifting and positive stories, because so often uh, we tend to have a lot to talk about in the other direction. But tell us about this story that you've uh, run across recently. Right, and it, it, you're right, Matt. Because, uh, and I think I mentioned this before, and obviously with with the weekly uh, discussions that we have, we mostly get calls of crises and and families that are battling the other family members or hospitals or doctors to have their treatment uh, denied or withdrawn. So they're always, you know, they're they're difficult cases. But in this case, 
Uh, it is. It's very uplifting, and it's, it's the story of Kelly Westbrook. This was in Missouri. 23 years old, she was in a car accident and uh, sustained a pretty serious traumatic brain injury. And, you know, man, everybody's different. Obviously, everybody responds to treatment differently. Everybody's brain is differently, so the, the brain is going to respond and kind of have its own journey and path to healing. But this is kind of, to me, when I read this, it was like a model of how we ought to be treating these individuals and how our healthcare system should be providing these individuals with every chance and how she had family, she had community, she had, and she credits her recovery to, to her faith and to the people around her, her church. But she was in a coma for 12 days, and her family stuck with her uh, the entire time. I uh, was praying with her. She, she emerged from the coma, and then she went on a path of rehabilitation and therapy. It, it took her about a year, uh, but she was, uh, you know, struggling through the process. And uh, she's to the point now where uh, it's been several years since her accident, but and it's, it's, uh, I love how she quotes how the, the coma, um, you know, obviously God had a different plan for her, and she feels blessed now with what's happened because of her coma. And she's married with three children. She's a stay-at-home mom. She can't imagine life without the kids, and she's very thankful for all that. And, and she talks about, how this brain injury changed her life and, and her perseverance and determination to, and her will to, you know, get better, so to speak, uh, put her in this position now where she feels an uh, enormous amount of gratitude, humility, and uh, just thankful to God particularly for, you know, what she's gone through to get to where she is today. It's, it's just a, it's a beautiful, inspirational story. You know, Matt, it's, it's, it's kind of ironic uh, in a sense, if that's the right word, but it, it's amazing how these people provide hope and inspiration for us. And we often look at them and we often, you know, we talk about, we hear this all the time, who would want to live this way? Who would want to live with a, with a disability? Well, when you read stories like this, you realize that these people give us hope and inspiration. They give others hope and inspiration to want to improve and, and, and just surround this person with love and, and prayers and, and doing everything we can to help them recover and heal. It's just it's the way it's supposed to be. It's the way we're supposed to treat each other. And it's just nice to see stories like this uh, w- with a family and, and a community that wants to help and support someone who's been through really a difficult time. Well, and you mentioned this right at the beginning of, of this segment. Everybody's different. And sometimes people who have these injuries never come back from them. Right. And some of these people end up coming back and it's a very slow and hard road or they only come back, you know, a portion of the way and they still need extended care. Right. And they're only able to communicate in a limited fashion. But some people call come all the way back. Right. Uh, It is uh, it's impossible to tell in those first few days how things are going to turn out. I mean, and that's why it's so important for the brain to be given time. Right, we talk about it all the time, and it's it's just interesting to me. And, and, I, and I have posted on our website. I know I've mentioned this before, the dozens and dozens of stories, somewhat similar to this, of of people that defied the odds, that defied the prognosis of doctors, had families there to support them, uh, where their human dignity was respected, and they were given every chance and opportunity to recover. And I just wonder, you know, what is the difference? Is it does it come down to strictly? Uh, to resources, insurance? Are they, are they able to afford the type of care that these people that recover 
uh, are we, you know, are they, are they getting a different type of care? Because uh, oftentimes it doesn't say that in the story. Uh, but why are some people given a chance to heal and recover, and others are so quickly determined that they're going to stop treatment and deny treatment? It just it 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 doesn't make sense to me. Other than it, it has to be related somehow to uh, to to you know a cost decision with a lot of these uh, cases. But this is just a, a, a example, and it really embodies everything we talk about. Why these people are are should ought to be given time and the opportunity to recover, and, and every benefit of the doubt to, to see, you know, if, if the brain is going to respond to certain treatments and therapies. And, and look how beautiful this story. And look at the inspiration she's providing for others because of her healing and her journey, uh, you know, back to, uh, to recovery. Well, and beyond merely the inspiration, right, and the human dignity questions that you and I care about very much uh, as Catholic Christians— I would think that the scientific community would be very interested in this story, right? I mean, you would think that like this would be the kind of thing that you would want to say, all right, let's find out every possible medical reason for why this worked out the way that it did so that we can, in future cases, apply as much medical knowledge as possible to them and build on it and build on it and build on it. Uh, I think that's kind of one of the most shocking things to me about these stories is that you would think that they would provide – you know, they, they would be – prioritized uh, for extra research and care because of the desire to help future patients when these situations arise down the road. Uh, and, and that, to me, I think is one of the more shocking aspects of this whole question as you and I address it from week to week is why, for just reasons of medical research, people aren't given more of a chance. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, Matt. I mean, if we're killing these individuals and we're not using them to, to – to, to know what's helping them recover. How can we help others that, that experience similar types of injuries? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And then we are seeing some of this with, you know, we've talked about in the past, a lot of the brain research and the discoveries that they're finding. And, you know, a lot of this, the, the discoveries that they're finding, it does come down simply to time. Uh, and, of course, uh, you know, other, other types of, um, you know, uh, whatever is needed to, to help these individuals, some, uh, you know, therapy and rehabilitations. Um, that, that they, they, need to, they need to be provided. But, but ultimately, if you don't give the person time, we'll never know. And, and you're right. If, if we're killing these individuals, how are we going to know what it is that's going to help them and if they have the, the, uh, the opportunity to, to respond to certain types of treatment? Well, Bobby Schindler, we're grateful for you bringing these stories to our attention, the good news as well as the not-so-good news. It's all important for us to know so we know how to best uphold the dignity of human life amid all kinds of stuff happening out there that would threaten it. Uh, if our listeners want to connect with you, Bobby, how do they do so? Sure. It's lifeandhope.com, lifeandhope.com. Linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Thank you, Matt. God bless you. And while you're at sunrisemorningshow.com, if you go to the show notes, you can click on over to our YouTube live stream of the show. You can also go to our Facebook page where we're streaming it live on Facebook as well. So uh, pick your... Uh, Pick your favorite social media there. And uh, those two are definitely both in my top 50 or so. We're back with Father Jonathan Duncan to preview the Sunday Mass readings coming up next. It's a quarter till. For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. 
Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. That's lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. We know a lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available, along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. He is honored by the church as a saint with the title Second Apostle of Germany. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. The Dutch-born Jesuit, St. Peter Canisius, was one of the key figures in restoring the Catholic faith in Germany during the Protestant Reformation. He is renowned for his catechism and also for his founding more than 40 universities that proved bastions of Catholicism across Central Europe. He died in 1597 and was named a doctor in 1925. To find out more, visit EWTN.com and click on Catholicism. Hi, this is Cy Kellett. Later today on Catholic Answers Live, it's back, the Catholic Answers Game Show. Catholic Answers Live, 6 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm hoping I get to see Cy. I think he's going to be there at the Catholic Radio Conference. They're having like a Catholic Answers reception at the Catholic Radio Conference. You're making me so jealous. I'm sorry. I'm going to say hi to everybody up there. You know who who knows about the Sunrise Morning Show? And I'll I'll uh, I'll send them greetings on your behalf. In the Thank I you. didn't even know I was going until just a couple weeks ago myself. Thank you. I'm just gonna be hanging out, not giving a talk. Nobody wants to hear me talk. Yeah, like no one listening to the radio ever wants to hear you talk. You know who they I want to hear Father Duncan talk, and they, they want to hear you do the headlines here at 12 minutes past. 12 Israel, minutes till, rather. Israel is telling the United Nations to evacuate more than a million people in northern Gaza over the next 24 hours, and the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem has asked the faithful to fast and pray for peace in the Holy Land. And Steve Scalise has withdrawn his name from the race to become the next Speaker of the House. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Jonathan Duncan. He is a priest of the Diocese of Charleston, where he works in hospital and campus ministry and lots of other things. Father Duncan, good morning. Good to be with you, Matt. So there are some uncomfortable readings. Uh, well, at least the gospel is extremely uncomfortable, <laughs> and Jesus makes his listeners very uncomfortable in the original telling of it. Uh, are you going to be focusing on the gospel reading this week? Is that uh, where you're going to be uh, probably aiming your discussion? You know, I, I think so, because I think it's such a helpful um, helpful addition to what we've been hearing over these last few weeks. You know, you'll, re- you'll remember, and obviously folks have been going to Mass, they've been hearing readings about the sort of wide-embracing call of Christ, uh, that Christ is is calling um, 
not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And we've heard about how the tax collectors, um, the prostitutes, they're coming, they're being welcomed, they're being received, whereas those who um, are, you know, the so-called righteous, the keepers of the law, they're being rejected because they are rejecting this gospel. And so we've been hearing that in, in different ways and different images for weeks now. And today, the, the story would seem to begin like one of those parables, like one of the gospel readings we've gotten for the last several weeks. And it's the ending that puts a new spin, because we're told the story of the wedding feast, uh, where the king is throwing a banquet for his son. He sends out his servants, and they eventually, they go and they find whoever they can find, even those who are on the the streets and kind of the highways and byways to come into this feast, because those to whom it's first offered reject the offer. But what's interesting is at the very end, we see that there's someone who has come into the feast who does not have a wedding garment. They're not properly attired for the feast. And the result of it is that they're thrown out. Now, if, if the whole image you have of Jesus in the gospel is just everyone is welcome, everyone is welcome, come as you are, stay as you are, then the end of this reading is going to sound like a different Jesus. But if you understand that the call of the gospel is come, come to me, all who labor, it is a, it's a call to everyone, but it's a call to a new life, to be, as St. Paul would say, to become a new creation, if it's a call to conversion, a call to repentance, then that holiness that ultimately is required to see the Lord face to face, that has to come. And so it's not enough for us simply to proclaim a gospel of welcome and inclusion if we don't also include the call of Christ to a new life, to transformation. And that's, of course, signified here by the wedding garment. In, in these ancient Eastern cultures, the wedding garment would often be something beautiful and it would be something given by the host to particular guests. And so to reject the wedding garment is to reject part of the invitation and, and to not realize the honor that the host and the feast are due. And I yeah, think that's a... such an essential part of the gospel. This is a tension that you've got to live in as a Christian, and there's a whole bunch of ways to fall on one side or the other of this and not live in the tension, right? So you can fall on the side that says that we need to welcome everybody from the streets, but uh, nobody ever has to do anything to change themselves. You're just welcome, as you just mentioned. We can also fall into the side that says, wait, if you're not dressed right, you're going to get thrown out of the banquet, so don't even come in, <laughs> right? So, I mean, you can have both this sort of rigorous idea of you can't come in until you're already perfect or this idea of you can come in and never have to change anything. And the the church has always had to live in this tension of we want everybody in here, but everybody's got to conform themselves to Christ. Uh, I mean, this is this is a hard thing to live in. Absolutely, and... And, of course, ultimately, he's the garment, right? St. Paul says, as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put, put on, on Christ, Christ yes. like a garment. And so to reject transformation, to reject repentance, to reject becoming that new creation 
is ultimately to reject something of what Christ wants for you. Uh, and it's not enough to simply say all are welcome. I, you know, I hear that from different kind of mainline um, you know, Christian denominations and things who will simply say, like, all are welcome, period, end of sentence, nothing else needs to be said. And that's simply not the gospel of Jesus Christ, because the gospel is all about, yes, you are welcome so that you can be redeemed out of sin and death and the works of sin and death and redeemed for this new life, for a new creation. And if we're, if we're not giving them the fullness, then we're giving them only half of what Christ wants for them. Um, but as, as, you, as you pointed out, the temptation, especially for folks who are, who are pretty religious, the kind of, you know, are listening to the radio, you know, at, at 8 o'clock in the morning on a Friday, wanting to learn about the faith, the temptation for us is probably going to be to, as we go out and seek people, using the image of the parable to go out and say, okay, everyone's welcome who's got a wedding garment already. Does anyone, you know, anyone have a wedding garment? Okay, you can come to the feast. No, it's, it's a call to everyone to come, but the assumption is as you come into the feast that you're going to be putting on Christ, which means um, a, a transformed character, a transformed nature. Your desires and delights need to be transformed. And if they're not, if there's a part of you that you think is beyond Christ's correction and Christ's transformation, even a part of you that seems like to you second nature, like something you can't let go of, Jesus is very clear. If you love that part of you more, if you're not willing to cut off that part of you, to lose that part of you, to, to lay down that part of you, then you can't come to the feast. You're not worthy uh, of the king's son's feast. You have to be willing to offer your whole self and let it be transformed by the cross. This whole process is, 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 is cruciform, right? We should be cross-shaped in our life. And that has to be there with our, with our call of welcome and inclusion. I think this is the tension right now. But we have to have both or we've given up something of the gospel. Yeah, it's all the tension, right? Jesus didn't come to only hang out with righteous people but with the sinners but guess what those sinners had something happen to them and they changed their ways right i mean this is always the tension going back to the incarnation father jonathan duncan thank you have a wonderful day well that wraps it up for the sunrise morning show thanks for being with us on this friday the 13th of october it's the feast of our lady of fatima pray for us pray the rosary today we are still in that month dedicated to the rosary and that's one of the things our lady of fatima asked us to do we're back again on a Monday. I'm Matt Swain for Anna Mitchell, and for all of our guests, may God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. If you're planning to give an end-of-the-year gift to Sacred Heart Radio, we are grateful. And there are several ways to give, including a stock gift through your IRA or a donor-advised fund. There's planned giving, employee matching funds. You can send a check, donate online, and more. Contact your financial advisor for more information on the tax benefits of donating to Sacred Heart Radio. And to see and read about all the ways to give, visit sacredheartradio.com and click on Ways to Give. Hi, I'm Mara Cagney-Tipton with the Cagney Family and Cowell Banker Real Estate, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. My father, Guy, brother, Patrick, and I are here to help your family find the perfect home. If you have any real estate questions, 513-720-1411. 
Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Stegman Landscape. Serving the Tri-State since 1979, Stegman Landscape can create a picture-perfect landscape all year long. From design, installation, and maintenance to retaining walls, patios, and outdoor fireplaces to enjoy any season, Stegman Landscape can do it all. Stegman Landscape, making the world more beautiful one yard at a time. 859-781-1562 and online at stegmanlandscape.com. St. Vincent de Paul, Northern Kentucky, understands the importance of a helping hand when life becomes difficult. Through the grace of God and the amazing generosity of volunteers and donors, St. Vincent de Paul, Northern Kentucky, has been able to provide over $200,000 in rent and utility assistance to nearly 2,000 neighbors in need in the last 12 weeks alone. The prayer is to continue to faithfully serve those in need well into the future. To learn how you can help, visit svdpnky.org and follow along on social media. Learning, planning, and being prepared is a part of life. Gate of Heaven Cemetery of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati is here to help you understand church teachings so that planning end-of-life decisions can be made with peace of mind. Find out more at Gate of Heaven Cemetery's pre-planning seminar, Tuesday, October 24th at 11 a.m., 2 p.m., or 6 p.m. at 11,000 Montgomery Road. For reservations, 513-489-0300. 513-489-0300. The Cincinnati Chapter of Legatus is a national network of Catholic business owners, CEOs, and managing partners facing the challenges of faith, family, and business each day. We meet once a month with our spouse for a mass, dinner, and speaker. We have the support of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati and many members throughout the parishes, including yours. We would appreciate the chance to share what we are about with you and enjoy mass together soon. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. This is Father John Paul Walker, pastor of St. Gertrude in Madeira. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Friday the 13th of October. Let's begin this morning in prayer and uh, using a prayer, a Fatima prayer to the Trinity in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I adore you profoundly and I offer you the most precious body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ present in all the tabernacles of the world in reparation for the outrages, sacrileges, and indifference with which he himself is offended. And through the infinite merits of his most sacred heart and the immaculate heart of Mary, I beg of you the conversion of poor sinners. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We are glad that you are with us here on a Friday, Friday the 13th, um, which some people get a little spooked about, but I don't worry about it too much. Like I say, I'm more uh, interested in the feast. 
today, the Marian Feast. Up this hour, Marlon De La Torre will be along from knowingisdoing.org. Father Gregory Pine is doing some cool stuff for Ascension on St. Augustine. We'll talk to him about that. Catherine Fishlock is actually, as I'm looking at this, she's still on the schedule. She's not supposed to be on the schedule because I think that she's got, I think she's got some uh, grandparent duties this morning, like some new grandbaby duties. And then Father Hezekiah Carnazzo will preview the Sunday Mass readings. So stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past the hour. News of service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Steve Scalise is withdrawing his name from the race to become the next Speaker of the House. The Louisiana congressman announced at a conference meeting last night that he would be pulling out of the race following a day full of meetings with fellow Republicans. It appeared unlikely to him that he would get the necessary 217 members of his own party to vote for him. Israel is warning the United Nations to evacuate more than a million people in Gaza. Mark Mayfield reports. On Thursday, U.N. officials said the Israeli Ministry of Defense told them to notify Palestinians living in the northern areas of Gaza to evacuate to the southern part of the Strip in the next 24 hours. The U.N. says it's physically impossible to evacuate that many people without devastating humanitarian consequences. The news comes as officials expect the Israeli military to launch a ground assault against Hamas forces. The Israel Defense Forces say they have mobilized around 300,000 reservists near the Gaza border and are continuing large-scale strikes on Hamas targets. I'm Mark Mayfield. Secretary of State Antony Blinken met with Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas today to discuss Israel's war with Hamas. The two leaders met in Amman, Jordan, where he also met with King Abdullah. Later, Blinken heads to Qatar to discuss the conflict with the country's prime minister there. Qatar's foreign ministry says the two leaders will also be discussing the protection of civilians and ways to de-escalate the war. About $6 billion in Iranian funds are currently being held in a Qatari bank as part of a prisoner swap with the U.S. to be used for future humanitarian purposes. Questions have been raised on Iran's ability to access the funds because of its history of backing Hamas. Meanwhile, law enforcement officials across the U.S. are on alert after a former Hamas chief called for a global day of jihad to take place today. There have already been some pro-Israel and pro-Palestinian marchers clashing in cities across the country since the war broke out. Between the two, Republican Congressman Michael McCall of Texas said yesterday he is concerned about synagogues being targeted. New York Governor Kathy Hochul says law enforcement agencies throughout her state are preparing for demonstrations. The NYPD has ordered all officers to be in uniform today. Delegates at the Senate on Synodality are praying for peace as they continue to meet and deliberate in Rome. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. Today's opening prayer was introduced by Iraqi Cardinal Luis Rafael Sacco. I would like to invite you this morning to pray for peace in the world, especially in the Holy Lands, but also in Ukraine. The violence in Iraq, Iran, and Lebanon, Cardinal Sacco said. The people are waiting with much hope, he continued, to live in dignity and in fraternity and not always in fear and concern. As he called for prayer, fraternity, and solidarity with the suffering, the assembly recited 
recited several prayers, including Psalm 129's, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. During the morning prayer, Cardinal Sacco also prayed, O God, let the whole of humanity who have one origin from you form one family without violence, living united in peace for our Lord Jesus. Also during the morning prayer, the president of the Focolare movement, Margaret Karam, a Palestinian Catholic, prayed for peace. She prayed to the Lord for the Holy Land, for the people of Israel and Palestine who are under the grip of unprecedented violence, as well as for the victims, especially the children, for the wounded, for those held hostage, for the missing and their families. In these hours of anguish and suspense, she said, we join our voices to that of the Pope and to the choral prayer of those around the world who implore peace. Ms. Karam also recalled all of the other countries of the Middle East and all the countries at war. Help us, Lord, to commit ourselves to building a fraternal world so that these people and those in the same conditions of conflict and instability and violence may find the path of respect for human rights. In these days and in the past, the Holy Father has made countless prayers for peace in nations suffering from war. The Holy Father had personally made a visit to Iraq in March of 2021, marking the first visit to a Pope to the Middle Eastern nation. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. 8.06 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lockman. All right, we will uh, get to it. How about this? Uh, Phillies beat the uh, Atlanta Braves yesterday 3-1 to one at Citizens Bank Park in the best of five series. Nick Castellanos, a former Red Made uh, made his mark as he hit two home runs, one uh, to tie the game in the fourth inning, then launched a uh, solo job in the uh, sixth inning as well. Braves have been eliminated by the Phillies in back-to-back postseasons. That's wild. Phillies advanced to take on the Arizona Diamondbacks in game one of the NLCS. We have to wait till Monday. That seems harsh. The uh, Houston Astros-Texas Rangers will play game one of the American League Championship Series on Sunday. How about uh, week, what, uh, week five, week six of the NFL season, whatever it is, uh, the Chiefs, week week six. All I know is that Taylor Swift's paying attention. Right, week six of the NFL season uh, kicked off with the Chiefs winning a game 19-8. to That score has only happened one other time. Oh, in so it NFL. wasn't. It was not a scoregami. Yes, uh, it happened in the year 1927. Wow. So uh, that was the last time that you saw a 19 to 8 football game. Patrick Mahomes threw for 306 yards and a touchdown. And uh, Kansas City beat Denver for the 16th straight time. Do you know how we- it, it is so weird to see Russell Wilson As in a, a Broncos uniform? Okay. I mean, yeah. I liken it to when Peyton Manning went to the Broncos. It's so weird. Yeah, it's different for sure. I mean, I eventually got used to Manning in a Broncos uniform, but yeah. I and and I have no idea what uh, what that sound is going on behind me. I'm not sure if you heard. I don't that know if it's going. Oh, yeah. I can hear it. I don't know yeah. if it's going out over the radio, but we apologize. Yeah. There's yeah. some kind of construction happening. Needs to be near done, I, I suppose. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's get to uh, traffic. Maybe you're driving through construction or whatnot. Traffic a service of Larkin Cobb, Chevrolet, Buick, and GMC in Eaton, Ohio, on the web at LarkinCobb.com. 
Take it away, Anna. Yeah, there is um, some slow traffic on northbound 75 in the Dayton area because of an earlier disabled vehicle um, at Edwin C. Moses Boulevard. It must have been blocking a couple of lanes because you're slowing from, like, 675 up toward U.S. 50 right now. But that's the only major slow spot out on the interstates. You're a little slow as you head southbound on 75 through the Lachlan split, but that's the only slow spot I'm seeing in the Cincinnati area. Now for weather, mostly sunny today in Cincinnati with a high of 79 degrees. Showers are likely tonight, especially after about 9 p.m. with an overnight low of 59. It'll be mostly cloudy with occasional light showers tomorrow and a high of 65 degrees. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, sunny today with a high of 78. Showers this evening and thunderstorms possible with an overnight low of 58. Rain early tomorrow, remaining cloudy, and then a possibility of showers in the afternoon as well with a high tomorrow near 64 degrees. Today is Friday, October the 13th. It is the anniversary of the miracle of the sun at Fatima. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. Right now, it's 10 past. Marlon De La Torre joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show, Senior Director for the Department of Evangelization for the Diocese of Columbus. He writes at knowingisdoing.org. Good morning, Marlon. Go Bucks. Good morning, Eddie. Go Bucks. So, Marlon, folks who have been paying attention to the Synod on Synodality, perhaps yeah. looked at the working document that's guiding the discussions in Rome, mm. have probably seen and heard this term, sensus fidei. Mm. How does the catechism define it? You know, it defines it basically as the, the collective body of the church who adheres to uh, really the teachings of Jesus Christ. And so, in other words, that that's encompassed in the creed. So when you look at the creed and the development of the creed, it's a manifestation, whether you recite the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed, all that really is encompassed in, in the collective unified body as a whole that believes in what Jesus taught. And so when you look at that uh, definition, that concept, and really paint a picture of that application, that means that we're all united and one in Jesus Christ, and that there is a singular deposit, what we would call a deposit of faith, something that's been handed on to us as, as a parent would hand on a teaching to a child, uh, to their son or daughter, that there, there is a singular way uh, that we ask of you to believe, uh, to live, uh, to profess. But in that, in that singular uh, focus is utilizing your free will and fidelity to what's mm -hmm. been handed on and to express it in a beautiful way, in a holy way, in a way that will uh, manifest the love of Jesus Christ, but also help the person grow in holiness and sanctity. And ideally, the aim is heaven. I mean, so that it would, would encompass that, that entire uh, definition. Interesting, because in this post-American revolution world, mm -hmm. one would think the sense of the faithful is like a majority rules kind of thing. Correct. But that's not what we're talking about here. No, not at all, because uh, in essence, the, the the beauty of free will, and I, and I say that literally, is the fact that we have the opportunity to look at the census today and say, you know what, um, how does this process lead me to heaven? And part of that unique uh, identity of the census today is, is not by uh, the majority rules or what the majority says, but it's what Christ has handed down. And really, uh, the singular focus is how 
will we bear our cross? How will we carry what Christ did, that salvific event um, in Golgotha, and say, how do I also carry that with me? How do I bear that that burden in, in a holy way? Because the aim would be heaven. So majority rules would be the aim is my personal satisfaction, my own personal universe or kingdom that satisfies me. The contrary to the senses today would be, all right, how do I uh, present myself before the throne of God? How do I prepare myself for heaven and especially those around me? So it's not like a vote on on what we believe or what we want as a church. It's actually being baptized into the body of Christ and joining the whole, not just the majority. Oh, absolutely, because really it's it, it, what it is, it's an initiation into uh, a sense of conversion, uh, an identity that I want to turn away from that which inhibits me or impedes me from knowing God more intimately. So you don't have this this notion of a personal compassion or a personal ideology or this is what makes me feel better, so this must be my dogma now. This must be my senses of a day. You can't impede uh, the, the fact that I want to feel good about myself. And if feeling good about myself means uh, pretending to be somebody I'm not, it means that I have the right to commit this particular act, though the church says it's wrong. Well, no, that just obliterates the whole sense of today. And so it, it's not that. Uh, our, our aim really should be trying to get to our Lord in heaven and trying to bring those around us with him and not necessarily debate uh, the possibility of being something else than what we are. How does that fit in with our personal experience, or should we just not care about our personal experience, Marlon? Oh, God, great question. I think the the experience itself is this, really. Um, Every human being is tied to this notion of, I have the ability to do something. That's called free will. And then you're you're given a a certain proposition every single day. All right, how does my free will align to either my personal compassion, which could be completely devoid of God, or a holy compassion, which means how am I going to serve the other in need? And so those are two distinctions there in terms of experience. If our experience is based on the need of sacrifice, sacrificial love, serving the other in need, and not thinking of our own selfish desires, hey, then it's perfectly fine. Then compassion works because it's for the betterment of society, and that's exactly what Christ wanted us to do. When you look at uh, the whole premise of either the Good Shepherd Discourse, or you look at St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, where he says, oh, death, where's your victory? Where Death, where's your sting? In 1 Corinthians 15, this whole premise of experience is, yes, if, if it's aligned to the divine, absolutely. But if it's aligned to something that goes counter to the love of Jesus Christ, then we've got a problem. Then the selfishness really becomes more of a uh, of a paganism or or, or an anti-God-like manner. So, and, and that's where we get into these problems. Well, the Good Shepherd goes after the lost sheep, but doesn't mm-hmm. remain lost with that sheep. Bingo. Brings him back to the flock. Mm-hmm. That's compassion. Mm-hmm. That is. I've used that before. I'm glad you brought that up because it's, it's, it does no good for either or to be lost. I think one has to have a sound reason while the other needs to be brought to, towards that sound reason. Amen. We've been talking Amen. to Marlon De La Torre. Go read his piece on this, The Dogma of Compassion as the New Profession of Faith. Uh, how's that for... A clickbait title for you. <laughs> you can find it at knowingisdoing.org, and that's linked to at sunrisemorningshow.com. Marlon, really appreciate it. Thank you so much, and go Bucks. Appreciate it, Annie. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. Don't roll your eyes at me, Paul Lachman. 
17 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with traffic and weather right after this. Jesus said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Do business with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Check out the angels list on sacredheartradio.com. It's a list of businesses who underwrite Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. And if you'd like to get your business on the angels list, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. Good food can still be fast food. Bridgetown Finer Meats, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, has a convenient online store at BridgetownFinerMeats.com. They're all your favorite prepared foods like their delicious homemade soups, beef barbecue, chicken and stuffing, and sweet potato casserole, all available at a click of a button for same-day pickup. They also have high-quality fresh meats like pork, veal, chicken, beef, and seafood, and even produce. Fast, convenient shopping on the go at BridgetownFinerMeats.com. We need your help. Hello, I'm Marianne Koharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. Our ads feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy help. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. To donate, please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. Pass now on the Sunrise Morning Show. This traffic report is a service of Rose Automotive pre-owned vehicles on Erie Highway in Hamilton on the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. Still running kind of slow on northbound 75 in the Dayton area from Dixie up toward Edwin C. Moses Boulevard because of an earlier disabled vehicle. But that is the only slow spot you're encountering on the interstates at the moment. Now for weather. Mostly sunny skies in Cincinnati today with a high of 79 degrees. Rain is expected tonight after about 9 o'clock. And then could see some isolated storms from there with an overnight low of 59. Mostly cloudy with occasional light showers tomorrow and a high of 65 degrees. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, sunshine today and a high of 78. Showers this evening with an overnight low of 58 Rain early, then cloudy with the possibility of showers in the afternoon as well and a high tomorrow near 64. Now please pray with me, the 54-day novena for Ohio ahead of the November election in issue one. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Ever-living God, you give life and desire a future for all your children. Take hold of our nation, state, and community and awaken in every heart all for the gift of life. Send your spirit to strengthen us with wisdom and fortitude as we defend mothers and children in Ohio from laws that disregard their health and safety. Mary and Joseph trusted in you and welcomed Jesus into our broken world. Father, we ask their intercession to protect the preborn and their mothers and to guide all parents in raising their children. May they help us build a civilization of love by upholding the sacredness of life, preserving parental rights, and accompanying pregnant women in need. 
We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady, Mother of the Family, pray for us. St. Joseph, Protector of the Unborn, pray for us. Father Gregory Pine joins us next. It's 21 past. The podcast of the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith lets you replay and share an interview. They even have markers to help you find the interview quickly. Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith podcast are in the daily show notes at sacredheartradio.com. Cincinnati Right to Life presents the Golden Evening for Life. Thursday, October 19th at the Sharonville Convention Center. Featuring former abortionist Dr. John Bruchowski, musician Mike Donahue from 10th Avenue North, activist Mark Hauk, abortion survivor Rebecca Kiesling, and Sacred Heart Radio's Anna Mitchell. The Golden Evening for Life, October 19th at the Sharonville Convention Center. Reservations at CincinnatiRightToLife.org. That's CincinnatiRightToLife.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Fred Espenchide Plumbing. For plumbing and remodeling, Fred brings 55 years of experience to his work. Licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. Fred Espenchide, your pro-life plumber. 859-441-0950. 859-441-0950. St. Michael's Rosaries and Religious Articles in Miamisburg carries many of the books heard on Sacred Heart Radio. Online at stmichaelscustomrosaries.com. That's stmichaelscustomrosaries.com. stmichaelscustomrosaries.com. Proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton, roseautomotivegroup.com. The Cincinnati Holy Name Society invites all area men to the 9th Annual Men's Eucharistic Procession, Saturday, October 21st, from St. Peter and Chains to Old St. Mary's and Over the Rhine. For details, see sacredheartradio.com slash events. The Sunrise Morning Show continues on this Friday, the 13th of October. It is the Feast of Our Lady of Fatima. Pray for us. And uh, remember that one of the things that Our Lady of Fatima said in her apparition to the children at Fatima, uh, some well, it's actually over 100 years ago, was to pray the rosary for world peace. And uh, as you look around, and as I look around, the, I don't think that there's any question that we ought to be doing that. So uh, I want to encourage all of you to uh, pray the rosary anyway, but pray it specifically for peace uh, in the very land where Jesus was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Gregory Pine, and he has done a lot of cool projects that I'm sure that some of you have run across through the years. But Ascension Press has a Catholic Classics series that's doing season two now on St. Augustine's Confessions, and Father Pine is part of that. Good morning, Father. Hello. So with Catholic Classics, I uh, am not surprised at all that you're going in on St. Augustine's Confessions. Why is this considered such a classic? Um, great question. Um, do I know a coherent answer to that question? Also a great question. Well, I think, <laughs> so the, the book itself is novel. Uh, not to say that novelty is, you know, the goal with these matters. Uh, the hope is wisdom. The hope is sanctity. But it's novel in that it's kind of like the first autobiography of its sort. You had things before it which talked about the life of an individual, maybe instances in which somebody would recount his own life in memoir-like fashion. But there's nothing quite like this with its um, psychological penetration and emotional richness and just like spiritual depth. Um, and so it, it really gives you a, a beautiful insight into 
the inner workings of Christian conversion. Well, I've known several people through the Coming Home Network who picked up St. Augustine's Confessions at whatever point they were in their life, and they thought, wow, this sounds like me. Man, this could have been written yesterday, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot to dig into here. How are you digging into it with uh, this podcast? So, um, as is the case with many Ascension things, uh, the first half is just reading the book, and then the second half is giving some commentary to help people appreciate it. Um, so each episode uh, may, might be like 25 minutes, and I'd say maybe maybe the first 10 minutes are just reading the book. And then there's a little before and there's a little after that, but uh, what follows for the most part is just kind of commentary, and we try to stay close to the text. Uh, so that way it's not just the, the vain musings of two hosts, but rather the Augustinian-inspired explications thereof. Well, when it comes to the Augustinian-inspired explications, you know, you can stick to the text only so much, right? Because St. Augustine, he sort of triggers things in the mind of the reader that makes them think about themselves as Augustine is explaining his own thought process and experiential situation. I mean, that to me is one of the biggest gifts of the Confessions of St. Augustine is because it makes me start thinking about the Confessions of Matt Swain. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's that to it. I think um, you know, maybe people have been in a seminar style class or they've done a great books course and they've sat next to or across from their classmates. Um, and you know, hear people say, All right, you know, like reading this it made me think about that and uh maybe the things that they think about are more or less pertinent. I think there's a kind of um yeah, there's a kind of discipline that comes with staying close to a text because the sense is that the text is richer than my own interior life. And so in staying close to the text, I'm always going to be challenged to, uh, yeah, like, what would I say, sympathize with uh, St. Augustine's thoughts and desires, uh, because it's not so much that, like, I judge them as they judge me. And so, yeah, we try to be disciplined in staying close to the text, but even while it does inspire in us a certain introspection. But I, I think with the honesty that, yeah, there's, there's, there's not as much there there by comparison to there of St. Thomas, excuse me, of St. Augustine's interior life. Slip of the tongue there. <laughs> I can forgive a Dominican for accidentally saying Aquinas <laughs> when he meant Augustine. Uh, but you mentioned that idea of it challenging, uh, being a challenging reading. I mean, what's, what are some of the, you know, as you were rereading it uh, to prepare for this Ascension Catholic Classics podcast on the Confessions of St. Augustine, what were some of the things that maybe challenged you a little bit? Yes, yeah, so um, it's divided into 13 books. And uh, the first 10 books are about his life, though the 10th of those 10 books is more abstract or more synthetic. And then the last three books he says, and he writes this in his retractions, which is at the end of his life is kind of like annotated bibliography of his own works. He says the last three books are about sacred scripture, uh, and specifically about the first two chapters of the book of Genesis. So uh, book 11 is about Genesis 1-1, book, book 12 is about Genesis 1-2. And then book 13 is about Genesis chapters 1 and 2, in effect. Um, but, uh, yeah, th that's really tough. Those last three books are really tough, and, and so tough, in fact, that many editors entirely omit those three books from their publication because they're like, yeah, I don't want to burn any bridges, and I want to leave people with a good taste in their mouth. So let's get into, you know, the conversion in book 9, the uh, beautiful conversation with St. Monica and her death, uh, or excuse me, that, the conversion in book eight, uh, beautiful conversation with Monica and her death in book nine, 
book 10 is nice, like a, like, like a summary thing and then, and then just send them home. Um, but I think that in part that despairs of our capacity to engage with difficulty and also like, I think there's a wonderful use for incomprehension in the Christian life. I think a lot of times we'll say of an experience like, that was great, only if we've understood it 100%. But truth be told, what do we understand 100% in life? Nothing. Uh, because we're constantly in need of you know, further enlightenment and encouragement on our Christian journey. And so I think that books, books 11 through 13, while tough, they're a good cipher for Christian conversion, and so far as a lot of it goes over our heads, and the, the goal there isn't so much to say, all right, well, I'm just going to dismiss it out of hand. Not for me. Um, yeah, I won't touch it again. But rather to say, okay, a lot of my life is above my head. Lord, grant me the grace to understand it better. Grant me the grace to desire it yet more perfectly, and you know, do with me what you will. Well, you know, it's Augustine who said something to the effect of, if you believe what you like in the Gospels and reject what you don't like, it's not the Gospel you believe— but yourself. <laughs> and I imagine the same is true for the confessions. You know, if you accept what you like in the confessions of St. Augustine and just kind of gloss over what you don't like, it's not really St. Augustine's reflection you like. It's your own sort of take on it. And uh, I mean, that's where the text really can and should sort of challenge you to go beyond yourself. Yeah, I think I think the goal of human life isn't 100% comprehension. It's to be challenged in the right ways, to be encouraged in the right ways, to be beatified in the right ways, because uh, at the end of the day, God is greater than our minds and hearts, and even in heaven, we will not comprehend him fully. That doesn't mean that we'll be overwhelmed, like, in a negative sense or bewildered in a negative sense, but it does mean that, yeah, it's just, it's bigger than us. Um, so I think it takes a kind of existential humility to come before the mystery and say, like, listen, Lord, a portion of it, what you will, and grant me the grace to drown in the infinite ocean of substance which is your divine nature. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot to process. And, you know, it's, again, one of those books. I mean, this is one of the reasons it's a classic. I mean, some people probably have read the Confessions once, maybe twice or more, but on each read, there's something that hits you differently. I mean, that's kind of why something is a classic. And I know that they're probably very much... Uh, some people interested in checking out the Ascension Catholic Classics podcast you're doing for Season 2 on St. Augustine's Confessions. If they want to plug in and, and get connected with that, how do they do so? Yeah, so you can find it on any podcast app. I think about half of America uses the Apple Podcast app, and then like 15% of America uses Spotify, and then other people use other things besides. So any podcast app, you'll be able to find it. And just look for Catholic Classics, and it'll populate. And we've got ascensionpress.com slash catholicclassics linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father Gregory, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. My joy. Good chatting with you. All right. 32 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Israel's military is telling more than a million people in Gaza City to evacuate as tanks are building up along the northern border. The military today said it would operate significantly in Gaza City over the coming days and that civilians should only return when advised. They also said civilians should distance themselves from Hamas militants who are using them as human shields. Israeli defense forces have reportedly mobilized about 300,000 reservists near the Gaza border. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem has asked the faithful to fast and pray for peace in the Holy Land as the war rages between Hamas and Israel. In a statement yes, yesterday, Patriarch Pierre Batista Pizzaballa said, quote, 
In this time of sorrow and dismay, we do not want to remain helpless. We cannot let death and its sting be the only word we hear, end quote. In Washington, Steve Scalise is withdrawing from the race to become the next Speaker of the House. Mark Mayfield has more. He announced at a conference meeting Thursday night he would be pulling out of the race following a day full of meetings with fellow Republicans. It appeared unlikely he would get the 217 members of his own party to vote for him on the floor, as a small number of conservatives appeared to block his path. The House Republicans will huddle again Friday morning. I'm Mark Mayfield. Ford Motor Company is telling the United Auto Workers that its 23% pay raise offer is the most they can afford to do. The UAW is striking the big three automakers as they seek a 40% pay raise. The president of Ford Blue says the offer made to the union puts employees in the top 25% of all hourly and salaried jobs in the U.S. and calls it a, quote, incredibly positive offer. He added that further wage hikes would risk their ability to invest in the business and grow profits. A week after the release of the Pope's apostolic exhortation, Laudate Deum, a group of Catholic agencies has joined a campaign for COP28 to ensure a loss and damage fund will effectively meet the needs of the poor and vulnerable. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. The statement is a joint effort of several Catholic agencies, including Caritas Internationalis, the Scottish Catholic International Fund, the International Cooperation for Development Solidarity and the Laudato Si movement, and is open to leaders of all faiths across the world who wish to show their support for action on loss and damage. The aim of the fund, which was the major achievement of the COP27 in Sharm el-Sheikh last year, is to provide financial assistance to poorer nations as they deal with the negative consequences that arise from the unavoidable risks of climate change, including rising sea levels, prolonged droughts and severe flooding, desertification, forest fires and crop failures. According to the faith leaders, the fund could correct the deep injustice at the heart of the current climate crisis, building peace, harmony and solidarity to respond to this challenge to our common home. The statement therefore calls on COP28 to agree to establish a fit-for-purpose loss and damage fund that gets money to the people who need it most, is adequately resourced based on the polluter pays principle, fully addresses non-economic losses and damages and corrects the injustice of poorer nations paying the price of other nations' actions. The fund, the religious leaders say, must be accessible, comprehensive, restorative and effective. At the same time, the statement reiterates that the new global fund must be accompanied by urgent action to reduce emissions as quickly as possible and to invest in essential adaptation efforts to prevent future harms. I am Lisa Zengarini. 8.36 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lachman. Thank you very much, Anna Mitchell. Last night's Thursday night football saw the Kansas City Chiefs knock off the Denver Broncos by the final score of 19-8. Kind of an ugly score. Patrick Mahomes threw for 306 yards a touchdown as Kansas City knocked off Denver for the 16th straight time. Week 7 of college football returns tomorrow. Number 3, Ohio State on the road taking on the pesky Purdue Boilermakers. 
Buckeyes are a perfect 5-0 and this season, while the Boilermakers struggling at 2-4. and Cincinnati is also uh, heading home for a matchup against Iowa State. Blue Jackets season got underway last night. Things didn't go well. 4-2 to final score in favor of the Philadelphia Flyers. Columbus will continue their homestand on Saturday, taking on the Rangers. Last night in the uh, Major League Baseball world, Nick Castellanos homered twice as the Phillies edged the Braves 3-1 to and uh, advanced to the NLCS. That uh, waiting for them are the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. Game one of that series will begin on Monday. As for the Houston Astros and Texas Rangers in the American League Championship Series, game one is scheduled to start on Sunday. That's a look at sports. We got more on the Sunrise Morning Show right after this. Family, thank you for putting a Sacred Heart Radio bumper magnet on your vehicle. Because our recent listener survey told us just how many of you started listening after seeing one of our bumper magnets. In fact, some have declared that our bumper magnets are life changers. So to change lives, just take a drive. Showing off your Sacred Heart Radio bumper magnet. Now they're free, so to get one or a stack for your parish, go to sacredheartradio.com and click Signs and Magnets. That's sacredheartradio.com. Click Signs and Magnets. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery. And he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700. Online at beaconortho.com. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. Uptown Catholic invites all to a healing service Saturday, November 11th at St. Monica St. George Church in Clifton. Worship begins at 6.30 p.m. and the healing service at 7. For more information, visit sacredheartradio.com slash event. Think about how much you like a day off from work. Now, give your wife a chance to feel the same way. This will take some coordination, but look at the calendar and schedule a day off for your wife. You may need help from a family member or a friend to pull this off, but it will be worth it. By doing so, you'll be showing her how much she means to you and how much she has to do on a daily basis. Don't be coy and schedule a day for two years from today. Make it happen soon. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Deacon Joe Grody. us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Hezekiah Carnazzo from the Institute of Catholic Culture. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Annie. It's a blessing to be with you and your listeners today. It is a blessing to have you back. And we're looking at the readings for Mass this Sunday, the 28th Sunday in Ordinary Time, and the Gospel is taken from Matthew 22. Now bear with me here. Jesus is telling another parable about the kingdom of heaven and likening it to a wedding banquet. And the king invites these guests. They don't come, so the servants are instructed to invite anyone. Some ignore him. Others kill the servants. So then the king burns the city to the ground, and then the servants are told to gather all they can find to come to this banquet. And then at the banquet, the king finds a guy who's not dressed in wedding clothes, and so 
he gets kicked out where there is wailing and gnashing of teeth. Now, Father, this doesn't seem very fair. I mean, how was that guy supposed to know that he needed wedding clothes? I mean, isn't God supposed to be nice? Why would he care about that? That's right. So much for the peace-loving Jesus here. Okay, the king was enraged and sent his troops to destroy those murderers and burned their city. You know, sometimes I feel like, you know, we could use a little bit of divine justice about now. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no, you know, there's two things going on, Annie. The fathers of the church tell us that, yes, this parable is about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, which is the church. Most of us think of the church as somehow invented by Jesus or coming about at the time of Pentecost. This is not a patristic understanding of the Church. The Church is God's intention in the Garden of Eden, that we are made an assembly in the image and likeness of God who has lived a life of loving communion from all eternity. So the fathers of the Church tell us the Trinity is the eternal Church, this life of communion, of assembly, and we are called to live that. And so we can talk about the Church of the Old Testament and the Church of the New Testament. In the Church of the Old Testament, Jesus here uh, makes a parable, which was very understandable because it was always understood from the first words of, of, of Genesis all the way through the Old Testament, that God's relationship with his people is that of a, of a groom and a bride. Huh? And the marriage banquet that Jesus speaks of was a, a, a symbol of this relationship between God and his people. And here, sadly, we learn about the Church of the Old Testament and those servants who were dispatched to call the guests mistreated and, and murdered were the prophets, those who were called to warn the people. And Jesus is going to come now in Matthew chapter 22 here toward the end of the gospel to, to be the, the, the last and greatest prophet of all, to tell the truth about who God is, to reveal him to us. And what do they do? They murder him. And so uh, Jesus here prophesies that, 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 that what the Old Testament church was called to do, the New Testament church will do, and that is shine the light far beyond Israel, and call in the Gentiles to the kingdom, which brings about the second part of this this gospel passage, when all these people do come in from all over, not just from the chosen people, which infuriated his listeners. Like, what do you mean you're going to call in the sinners, the tax collectors, the you know the prostitutes, but the and and God forbid the pagans, the Greeks, never. Okay, but Jesus said yes, exactly what's going to happen. Here, this man comes without a garment, and your question is right. Well, the poor guy. He's sitting having coffee on the corner, and they go out and they say, hey, come on, there's nobody to come. You want to come to the party? And then he comes, and then he gets thrown out. It's not right. Well, you'd have to understand in the ancient world, for a wedding party, the one throwing the party would send the garments out so that the people could come properly attired to the feast. It wasn't up to them to choose what to wear. It was the one that invited, that sent the clothing out. And here this guy... This guy did not prepare himself, even with the gifts that were given. The church father tells the garment that this man wears is a symbol of his life, the virtuous life or the vicious life, a life uh, which is woven, given to us in baptism, but woven by us throughout our life until that garment truly becomes our garment, a garment of virtue which shines. That's a beautiful insight, by the way, from an old priest I knew. He says, look at a wedding garment. He says, that's the virtuous life, woven beautifully together into one beautiful in which we present ourselves to the Lord at the end of time. He says, but the wedding garment also has jewels on it, which shine, because our virtuous life is meant to be evangelical, to call others into a relationship with God who are attracted by what we have been clothed with, the grace of the all Holy Spirit. Clothed with the cross as well. Well, yes, Annie, and it's only through the cross that we come to the life of God. You know, I'm glad you bring up the cross in this time, in this kind of 
post-Feast of the Cross time, the Old Testament reading comes to us from Isaiah 25, and your listeners can look this up. There's prophecy that on, on this mountain in Jerusalem, death will be destroyed, and the Lord will wipe away the tear from every face. The people at the time of Isaiah were living through a time in which they were under attack from the Assyrian and Babylonian empires, and things looked terrible. Even within Jerusalem, there were pagan temples set up on the Mount of Olives, sacrificing babies to Baal. It was a horrible situation, but the Lord said, I will bring life regardless of your sins. And then we hear in the responsorial psalm that we know quite well, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Remembering David as he was a boy shepherding the sheep and the sun was setting, even though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no evil. Imagine David the boy shepherding the sheep and the sun is setting and the animals are starting to stir. He's he's fearful. In the midst of all of this craziness, in the midst of Jesus going to the cross, in the midst of the Assyrians and Babylonians attacking Jerusalem. The Lord is there. He will guide us. The Lord is my shepherd, David said. Even though I walk in this dark place. I just a word of encouragement to our brothers and sisters that are listening to this program. We are living in a very dark time in our society and in our church. The Lord has not abandoned us. We've abandoned him. He's always there, his guiding hand. He is our shepherd. If only we will turn to him and be shepherded by him to be able to come into his house again. We will live with him. And then every tear will be wiped away, and death will be destroyed, but only with the Lord, not without him. Well, you know, Father, I love that you told us about how the wedding garments would be supplied to the guests, because that brings a whole new meaning to the second reading as well from St. Paul to the Philippians. Uh, chapter 4, he says, My God will fully supply whatever you need in accord with his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. You know, Annie, I didn't even see that till you just mentioned it. You're right. Isn't that the wisdom of the church, how she sets before us these beautiful readings? If only we have the eyes to see and prepare ourselves. And again, in Philippians, St. Paul says, regardless of what comes, whether it's good or bad, whether I'm hungry or, or I'm fed, it's the Lord who strengthens me. And we need to learn this through all of these challenges we face today. Just rely upon the Lord and he will guide our life. He's always there for us to shepherd us. We've been talking to Father Hezekiah Carnazzo. And Father, if listeners want to check out the resources you've got available over at the Institute, where do they find them? Instituteofcatholicculture.org. You can find instituteofcatholicculture.org linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Encourage you to head over there and uh, click on the uh, browse button over on the side of the page. I'm sorry, it's not browse. It says explore. You click explore at the top of the page and then click on gospel reflections. You can watch um, an hour-long Bible study that Father Hezekiah and I do each week for the ICC, uh, reflecting on the Sunday Mass readings. And with that in mind, Matt, can I um, bring you in here for a second? Matt, are you there? I'm there. Okay. I want to I want to complain for a second. Okay. And far be it from me to question but i was looking at the magnificat uh oh and the gospel for this weekend is matthew chapter 22 verses okay. 1 through 14 except you can have a shorter form this is common that uh that the they will form allow the good part though well it will allow for yeah a shorter version of the gospel so um, Father and I, and I think you and Father Duncan last hour, talked a lot about the dude that got thrown out because he didn't have the proper wedding garment, right? Which they handed out at the door. 
Yeah. Um, this omits that. So you, the option is that you can say, um, you know, it goes off, the king's enraged, he burns down the city and whatever, and he says to his servants, the feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy to come. Go out, therefore, into the main roads and invite to the feast whomever you find. The servants went out into the streets and gathered all they found, bad and good alike, and the hall was filled with guests. Well, that's part of the story. And that's where it ends if you take the shorter form of the gospel. So generally speaking, and this is something that uh, that Marcus Grodi is big on, uh, so I don't know if I've ever told you this, but he does the liturgy, the hours, but when it comes to any time that there's like a reading from Scripture in the Bible, he actually doesn't read it from like the divine office, mm-hmm. the breviary. He actually reads it out of his regular Bible mm-hmm. so we can see what came before it and what came after it. Yeah, it's helpful. It's helpful. So I would just say... Do that with the the readings at Mass, because there's often a lot of interesting stuff that sets up and follows up. Oh, you're being so nice about this. I'm looking at this saying, okay, so the good and bad alike go in, and the hall is filled with guests, so just come as you are. No, there is, there is something that must be done. You must be wearing the proper garment to be able to stay in there. And I think we're doing a real disservice to those who have come to the feast— of the mass and don't hear what comes after that well hopefully uh hopefully the pastors will take you're the not going to take the they'll bait, pick up you? the option you're not going to take the bait okay what do you want me to what do you want all me to right. say we'll just go to break when in doubt read more of the read the long version i'm all just when in doubt the long version there's no doubt here please i don't mind if i can't hear priest, the bible anyway if you are so. a priest listening right now please do not read, take the shorter version of the gospel. Read the long version. I know it's harder. It makes it harder. harder. Maybe a little difficult to preach on, but, you but know. But hey. I don't want, as Chesterton would say, a Catholic church who is right where I am right. I want a church that's right where I'm wrong. Exactly. Exactly. Speaking of which, I want to talk to you about Whoopi Goldberg here in a moment. Oh, gosh. Okay. Can't wait. It's 51 minutes past the hour. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonricemorningshow.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirm. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love. On Madison Road, 513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. 
Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. Gate of Heaven Catholic Cemetery of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati is commemorating the 50th anniversary of the end of the Vietnam War. The ceremony is Saturday, October 28th, 2 p.m. at the Veterans Garden at 11,000 Montgomery Road and will feature keynote speakers, presentation of service pins to veterans, and a rosary following the ceremony. Please help honor this generation of brave men and women and their families. More information at gateofheaven.org slash events. All right, the Sunrise Morning Show continues in Anna Mitchell. I don't want to spend a crazy amount of time on it, but I do feel like it's worth addressing because there's just all kinds of confusing things and takes. And uh, it's amazing what comes across my feed and who's considered experts on what. Uh, Turns out that everybody's an expert on Vatican News. Everybody's an expert on conflicts in the Middle East. Everybody's a medical expert and a theological expert and all the other stuff. But Mm -hmm. uh, when celebrities talk, I always kind of take with a grain of salt because there's there's lots to there's lots to process. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg was recently able to meet Pope Francis, and just to, to to lay the table on this, a lot of people meet Pope Francis. Yeah. Um, and good, just good like and in, bad alike, friend and foe alike. Yes. This is, is the Pope's job to meet people from all over the world, and uh, just like Jesus ate with Pharisees and tax collectors, and the whole and there's a whole gamut, right? There's a whole gamut. And meeting with them does not necessarily mean, you know, signing on the dotted line to every single thing that that person believes. And what usually happens in these meetings is that the Pope doesn't do interviews about what he talked to these people about. But these people definitely do interviews to talk about what the Pope talked to them about. And usually the way the interview goes is something like this. I talked to Pope Francis. It was amazing. He told me that everything I already think is completely right. That's usually how it kind of comes out. This happens with politicians. This happens with celebrities. This happens uh, when, in fact, he probably just shook their hand and said, yes, "It's nice says, to meet Hello. you," and handed them a rosary and moved on to the next person. But so Whoopi, um, Whoopi came out of this encounter, and she said she'd been waiting for a long time to thank him for his message of inclusion. And uh, I guess she's paraphrasing here when she says that the Pope says, "Quote: He says we have to love everybody, and we must remember that it's not up to us to forgive, but up to God. And at the rest." quite frankly, is none of your business. He is the first to have said it, to have told people to stop telling people that God doesn't love them, stop telling them not to come to church. Well, you may not agree, but we all know that God doesn't make any mistakes. All right, there are like 500 problems here. One, because uh, Pope Francis would never say something like, it is not up to us to forgive, but up to God. Pope Francis is constantly calling on us to forgive one another. Yep. All right, so there's that. Uh, Second of all, he is not the first to have said this. I just want to make that clear. Yep. <laughs> He's not the first to say, uh, God loves you all no matter who you are. Uh, this is actually a 2,000-year-old tradition of of, uh, of God-loving people mm-hmm. and Christianity teaching that. Uh, and then when she goes on to say, uh, stop telling people to not come to church. Who in the world is telling people not to come to church? Yeah. Uh, these are all kind of like sort of distorted, sort of Hollywoodified perceptions of the church. And I just want to – if you read this interview and people ask you about it and are like, oh, well, Whoopi says that this you know, is that or whatever and that the church is such and such. Never forget that Whoopi Goldberg made a lot of money doing a movie franchise based around her, a person on the street, 
teaching nuns how to be Catholic. So just be careful when yeah. you read this stuff. I mean, I often use Vatican News for, I mean, people hear the, the clips from Vatican News all the time. I'm really disappointed in how they interviewed her on this. They just let her talk and talk and talk. And nobody's like, well, yeah, nobody, it actually turns out that um, Catholic formally teaches that, ev- that God loves everybody. There it's was the no challenge. I mean, I understand it gets awkward when you have somebody like Whoopi Who's Goldberg. Who's really famous and powerful. Yeah. yeah, and you're trying to interview them, but then then just don't interview them. I would just be like, Whoopi, actually, let me show you something in the catechism that talks about how everybody's made in the image of God. And now instead, everybody's going to be fighting. They're like, over oh, Pope Francis Whoopi changed said. church teaching and now God loves everybody. What? So Come unhelpful. On. So unhelpful. Literacy. Media literacy. Yeah. Whoopi. Media literacy. Call me Whoopi. We can talk about it. We'll talk about it, Whoopi. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Cincinnati Right to Life presents the Golden Evening for Life, Thursday, October 19th at the Sharonville Convention Center, featuring former abortionist Dr. John Bruchowski, musician Mike Donahue from 10th Avenue North, activist Mark Hauk, abortion survivor Rebecca Kiesling, and Sacred Heart Radio's Anna Mitchell. The Golden Evening for Life, October 19th at the Sharonville Convention Center. Reservations at CincinnatiRightToLife.org. That's CincinnatiRightToLife.org. This is John Kennedy, a State Farm agent serving Northern Kentucky and Cincinnati and a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. Whether it's home, auto, or life insurance, I can help with any of your insurance needs. I can be reached at 859-485-2000 or online at johnkennedyinsurance.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. It's not over. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. I'm Marianne Kuharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Our messages feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy assistance. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. Please find us at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Michael's Rosaries and Religious Articles, a great place to shop for Christmas. From custom-made rosaries, heirloom-quality nativities, books and CDs, to Christ-centered gifts for the kids. St. Michael's Rosaries, online at stmichaelscustomrosaries.com. This is Deacon Mike Erb with St. Ignatius of Loyola Parish in Mumford Heights. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at Sacred Heart Radio.